0: You better be listening to Sleezoids, or I must break you. 昔
2: Next week, we are putting our conservative dad hats on and we are going to save the daughters of America. So join that sleaze
1: that's so true we decide on all the (laughs) official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover as well Patreon subscribers also get an on air shout out and two bonus episodes every single month which we have been doing for something like six years there's like 140 bonus episodes uh, as well as our bonus transmission series which there's like almost 50 of where we talk about new release genre films Uh, so if you want any of that patreon.com slash sleazoids podcast we definitely recommend making the jump for any regular listeners And uh, speaking of which, I am going to give our shout-outs here. We had quite a lot of people sign up this month. So uh, we had... At $5 a month sign up, we had Aiden Staggs. We had Harry uh, Skeletsky sign up for an entire year of the show at $5 a month. You get a little bit of a discounted rate if you do uh, sign up at the annual tier. I'm sure most people know by now. Uh, because we also had Scott Benson also sign up for a year so. Those nice. guys are getting the whole year of the show. Thanks so much. Uh, we had um, Johannes Masid. Uh, we had harsh malarkey sign up for five dollars a month we had spencer owens we had mike we had king dude 610 we had edgar noah heller uh dan watkins sean tenet um oh we're still going bryce Olson, uh puppy man 8334 m ready (laughs) Dan Malinowski, uh, Adam Prosk, Vera Madej, uh, Emilio R.A., B.U. E. Samuels, Joe Morris, uh, Chad Philadic, Colin Riggs, Gren Flynn. Well, you guys were good to us uh, while while we were away. Um, oh, thank you. Jackson Hahn, O. o. Braski, uh Reuben Sandwich. Mm, give me that Ruben. <laughs> uh, I like that name, you know. <laughs> Abby Welcome. Holman. Uh, Joel Estrander, uh Christine uh Schultz, who signed up for an entire year of the show as well. Uh Liam Melendi and Friend of the Pod, Michael Chow. Thanks so much to uh nice. Michael. He 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 was recently giving us a, a shout-out on. I think he was listening to the, the Branson Reese Roger Rabbit episode, and he was tweeting about it, saying that he really liked our discussion. So thanks so much, oh, awesome. Michael. We're gonna we're gonna have to have Michael back on again soon. Um so thanks to uh yeah thanks to all of you folks for for signing up over on the patreon we appreciate that support a lot and that is yeah. uh that's the one plug for the week the other plug as always is uh, apple podcasts and spotify if you guys are listening on either one of those platforms and i see the stats i can see you right now listening on both those platforms give us a good old rating and review over there it helps us climb the ranks and and, and find new listeners that way and we should appreciate that support as well and the very last plug, as always, is merch. If you like the poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for our show, you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of. And you guys have thought of a lot of things. You have bought uh, notebooks. You have bought pillows. You have bought hoodies. You have bought pens, posters, everything uh, with, with Trevor's art on it. That link is in the description uh, of this episode as well as over at slezoidspodcast.com. Uh but that is it for the intro welcome back to another week as always I am your host Josh Lewis and joining me also as always
2: is my co-host Jamie Miller welcome back everybody
1: welcome uh ap- apologies for the uh crazy messiness I'm 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 even flubbing some of my usual intro lines it feels like it's been so long <laughs> since we've been uh <laughs> And we've been doing this. Jamie yeah, we've been was on the tour with his bit. band for a month. I went to Tiff for two weeks, and we're just finally getting back into that groove. Um, but uh, yeah. you might not have noticed, I guess,
2: because we did all. You that might not have noticed because we were releasing
1: episodes. We are we are consummate professionals. We were releasing right. episodes every <laughs> week, pretending that we were living normal lives. And uh, as a result, two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks would have heard from us, uh, which to uh, you know, sort of a. Uh, bring in the uh, the the new TIFF year, as, as mm-hmm. is always uh, the case. Uh, one of my favorite programs and sections of the festival is the Midnight Madness section, the section dedicated to genre movies and midnight movies. And in order to uh, to celebrate a new Midnight Madness uh, slate, which I, I had a lot of fun with at, at, at TIFF this year, we went back to the 1993 Midnight Madness program 30 years ago for two absolutely wild, absurdist comedy, sort of like thriller horror films that both had some (laughs) very gleefully gross kind of animated funhouse energy uh, into their their styles and their premises. We talked about Alex Winter and Tom Stern's Freaked. Um, Which took some of that wacky sort of like Bill and Ted stoner comedy vibe and kind of updated it for a butthole surfer, punk rock MTV, like body horror remake of Todd Browning's Freaks. Uh, Just an absolutely insane movie that somehow got a studio budget.
2: Yeah, some of the best practical effects ever. Like just the makeup on Alex Winter's face alone. Like you they had to basically dub all his uh all his lines because the, the half of his face was covered in prosthetics. It's it's crazy. Commitment. It's so good. It's so good. Commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, and we paired that with the extremely uh, underseen and bizarre Australian ca- crime gone wrong thriller uh, <laughs> called Frauds, which stars uh, Phil Collins as like yes, a P- Herman-esque, like evil man child who... Uh, is you know like sort of an, an insurance claims investigator who really loves Rube Goldberg style pranks that he plays on people who try to screw <laughs> companies out of money uh, and a very bizarre movie that has lived in tubi obscurity since it came out in uh, the 90s uh, but but has some genuine like 80s Tim Burton levels of like childish visual sort of like slapstick mania to it so I'm glad we got to yeah. uh, check that out it's one of those few like discoveries we sometimes
2: make on the show where we're like how is no nobody's seen this (laughs) and it becomes it's one of those things that has a very it's very wacky and silly and and that's the kind of comedy is but really as it gets further into the story it gets a lot more depraved and and darker it still holds that tone but just the things that are happening are are wild so uh and phil collins gives a fully committed uh uh, performance so i would highly recommend it (laughs) It's very true. Uh,
1: so that was two <laughs> weeks ago over on the main feed. And then last week over on the bonus feed, uh, we we did a double feature of one of the, uh, in my opinion, best old Hollywood sort of like B movie filmmakers ever. We talked about Joseph H. Lewis, who is mm-hmm. uh, more commonly known for his uh, his his noir films that he did, things like Gun Crazy, which is you know kind of predates Bonnie and Clyde, and does a little bit of the sexuality and the gun and the you know the sort of like young romantic teen couples on the road kind of kind of vibe, um, but also the big combo is kind of like his really big one. But we decided we were going to take a look at some of. The ones that are maybe a little bit lesser known than those in his catalog, we talked about from 1945. My name is Julia Ross, which is part like Hitchcock identity thriller, part sort of gaslight thriller and also full blown like gothic horror film about a woman who basically yeah. becomes like a live in secretary to a murderous, wealthy family who are trying to convince her that she's she actually is like dead and a completely different woman. And like the wife of, you know, the who the son murdered, that kind of deal. It's a really
2: crazy movie actually. Yeah, Jesus. it's great. He, and he just he boosts everything so much with his style. I mean, like we were talking about just the 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 general scripts that those would have and they're kind of um generic, you know, uh, you you kind of know what's going to happen, but he would just he would throw everything he knew about filmmaking into those and make them so interesting. So, yeah, it's
1: it's great. Yeah. And he did the same thing with the uh, movie we paired it with, which was uh, more at the tail end of his career. We talked about his Mm -hmm. blacklist B-Western called Terror in a Texas Town, which has one of the goofiest premises (laughs) I've ever seen. Uh, basically uh. Uh, by by Dalton Trumbo who had recently been blacklisted and had it had to you know like not even put his name on the movie um so it's a very sort of like left-leaning western that takes very serious ideas about you know like the the sort of encroaching sort of fascist violence and all of this but it does it in the context of Sterling Hayden from Doctor Strange Love <laughs> is an immigrant whaler from Sweden who pulls <laughs> up to a gunfight with a harpoon to defend the locals from the greedy, violent capitalists. <laughs> and it is looking one for of those things is. where immediately you've drawn a picture in your brain of a giant man holding a harpoon at like a a showdown gunfight and the movie ends in exactly the image your brain is conjuring up and how he gets (laughs) his way out of that situation starts uh, and finishes that way (laughs) it's yeah and it's just it's so well directed by lewis like very sort of like noir-esque action and some thriller beats to it as well and yeah very well done
2: yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's a, a guy with a harpoon versus a gunslinger. You know, you can't go wrong with that. I'd highly recommend it. You got to get Yestis, want. baby.
1: Yep, Yestis. Uh, so if you <laughs> haven't heard that episode over on the Patreon uh, last week, go back and uh, check it out. But uh, moving on to this week, we have our uh, annual returning spot for friend of the show, the incredible horror illustrator and writer who did the art for this very show, but also has tons of incredible work you can find on his website and on his Instagram, which some of you might know uh, as a slimy swamp ghost. And he even has <laughs> a new spooky middle school scholastic horror book coming out very soon called Scare Waves that I'm excited to uh, for, for people to check out. That guest is trevor henderson trevor how are you doing
0: i'm good hey how's it going thank you for having me on
1: of course no problem thanks for thanks for coming back we 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 have a spot every year pretty close to october that we're like this is the trevor spot yeah this is the trevor spot (laughs) i'll start (laughs) thinking
0: up the next uh the next double for for next year (laughs) hell yeah
1: get prepped yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so uh Trevor, uh, as 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 it goes, you've been on the show enough times to know at this point. You know, we 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 always have the guests kind of bring bring movies on that they want to show us things that maybe are kind of personal to them. And when I originally approached you, I was like, well, Trevor, you've got a you got a book coming out. We got to promote this book. We got to talk about this book. Um, and I was like, do you have you know do you want to talk about any sort of like uh, things that maybe inspired it? And you were you were basically like, look, you know. <laughs> I'd love to promote the book, but can I just like talk about other things? Like, can I talk about like whatever I want? I have other things I want to talk about, and I was like, "Damn, this guy does not have hustler mindset. He just loves <laughs> movies that much." Um, but but honestly, you still brought on some kid friendly horror. So I'm I, I was am just thinking I am, that like
0: that was not intentional at all, and it just occurred to me now that you it mentioned it. That, like, oh shit, I I, I brought on two kind of kids versus monsters movies. Yeah, well, uh, which, well, you know what? You, you also did that last time
1: books. with the with the Midnight Hour and. Um, the uh the was it the lady in white was it was called oh yeah 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 so do you know what Trevor i think you just kind of like like and i agree with you you kind of i kind of like the idea of like movies that are just like watchable kids. and friendly enough for kids but still yeah. genuinely scary if you were to watch it as a kid which i think is you know probably what unites your pairing this week but why don't you tell everybody yeah. what the two films we're talking about this week is and why you loosely paired them together
0: Yeah, so the the loose theme uh, this time is kind of like school children getting into hijinks and fighting really scary, gross, practical effects monsters. Um, So I brought uh, School Ghost Stories, a.k.a. Haunted School from 1995. Which is a Japanese horror film um, about a bunch of kids who destroy uh, this little statue outside of their school, and it ends up with them getting stuck in like this weird parallel dimension version of their school and having to deal with, you know, the slit mouth woman and all these other weird yokai. And there's a janitor janitor that turns into like the thing. Basically, it's crazy. It's great. And it's like just like a showcase Every scene is a cool showcase for a weird set piece. Like they're obviously having the time of their life, just like dumping more goopy monsters and more weird puppets and more like strange set pieces onto it. It's great. And I paired that with uh, Haruko the Goblin, uh, which is by the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man and many other incredible films, Shinya Tsukamoto. Um, And it's both uh, out of character for him. And also at the same time, completely, 100% in character for him for various different reasons. Um, Which is a similar uh, premise, which is, you know, uh, a student at a school teams up with this monster hunter kind of guy and tries to stop weird little human head spider crab demons from (laughs) opening the gates to hell. Lots lots of the
1: thing inspired spider legs. uh, Yeah, uh, yeah. Happening in both these movies.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like Haunted School is slightly more kid friendly because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's monsters and the monsters are scary and they're never treated as comedic um, and the kids are always in danger. But, you know, they're they're generally faring pretty well. Whereas in Haruko the Goblin, like there's geysers of arterial blood and people <laughs> decapitating themselves and <laughs> all kinds of wild yeah. shit uh, that it's so it kind of feels like it is. It feels like a Ghibli film where there are decapitations uh, to me or like maybe even <laughs> like a like a Tintin comic gone wrong in some way. Um, they're both
1: incredible mm. and they go well really well together Oh yeah yeah so we're we're going to be talking yeah. about some haunted uh, school uh, Japanese horror lots of goopy gore and creatures uh, attacking yeah. small little children so if children in danger is your <laughs> which, which we t- have talked we about a lot on, on the this show, show I'll be honest about it <laughs> yeah. yeah I was reminded <laughs> it's, it's... of talking about who can kill a child last year um, oh my
0: god I love that movie <laughs> Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I think that there's a a really fine line to walk with certain things where like not not who can kill a child, which is a brutal, brutal film. But like (laughs) these two films specifically of like being feeling almost like gateway horror and could be gateway horror for kids, um, but also like, no, not not that it's yeah, so like, like also weird. still
1: freaky enough that it, it would actually still like probably traumatize a child at the same time it would yeah, yeah. especially yeah, exactly. Heroku, I feel like
0: yeah Haruko yeah, you so. should keep away from your kids haunted school <laughs> I could see you know younger kids really vibing with, um, especially yeah. if there was a parent like that. But Hiroko is okay. like, nah, no, 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 I don't know about that
2: one. Yeah, I felt like uh Hiruka I don't think
1: any Junior be... Sukamoto movie should be shown to no. any child under no. any circumstance. No, <laughs> no, even when he's
2: trying to make it more kid friendly, I'm like, dude, you just you're not totally capable of the the child's film for sure. I feel like Hiroko would yeah. be something I show my like a 13, 14 year old, if, uh, if I ever have kids and, you know, they're ready to kind of get into horror. Whereas yeah. the, the haunted school, I would probably let my, you know, like 10 year old watch there. I, granted though, yeah. again, and we'll get to it. There are some genuinely pretty terrifying things in the, the haunted school. So yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. absolutely.
0: And I can't stress enough just how much fun the special effects people are clearly having in haunted school. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. it's so good. It's so good.
1: Oh, yeah, well, that being said, I think we're <laughs> gonna jump right into it here. Let's kick things off. Let's start things off with Hiruko the Goblin. We are talking Hiruko the Goblin, uh, also known as uh, Yokai Hanta Hiruko, uh, the 1991 uh, Japanese supernatural horror film co-written and directed by Shinya Tsukamoto, who is uh, kind of a legend on this show because uh, yeah. I think it was Perry Rulland was, brought Tetsuo the Iron Man on fairly yeah, course, early on in the show. And then he also, I think, later brought on uh, Tetsuo uh, 2 as 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 mm-hmm. well. And we did Body Hammer and uh, we also did, I think, Tokyo Fist at one point too. So this is probably our fourth yeah. and maybe even fifth time talking about Shinya Sukumoto and his unique brand of very textured sexual kind of industrial body horror stuff like tetsuo which is you know this very sort of like has this very lo-fi surreal almost like technophobia scratching screaming sound design of and 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 you know body horror elements to it that reminded us of things yeah. like Eraserhead head and 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 videodrome but he also has like a very uniquely jolting and kind of untethered camera style where he, he loves to move he loves to get unhinged with the editing style he loves to you know completely meld elements together like Tetsuo it's like steel and steam and sweat and flesh and rust and oil and blood until like mm-hmm. you literally can't tell one scummy texture from another one and you're just like mm-hmm. totally
2: going psychotic with him and um, he also seems to like the pacing like very speedy pacing a lot of the time, especially when he, once things really rev up, um, uh, it's just like not even... Like the way the camera moves, we have like when he represents the goblins, they're moving incredibly quickly in this kind of POV shots and even characters, the way that they react are being very sporadic and screaming and kind of just like throwing their bodies all over the place. It's 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 very fast paced in that sense. Yeah, he
1: has a certain level of like surreal energy to him that he just likes to Yeah, is a guy's dick suddenly a giant power drill. (laughs) <laughs> Why not? It is. Yeah, there you go. And you get all the screaming the reaction screaming. shots. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, uh, but, and and even even when he tries to retain himself into something like that someone maybe would do a little bit more normal like something like when we talked about Tokyo Fist which is like, you know, kind of a a masculine romantic boxing drama a little bit mm-hmm. where it it tries to deal with themes of like a character feeling inadequate or being angry about, you know, sort of relationships in a modern sort of dilapidated kind of Tokyo, but it's like, yeah, what if that was expressed in insane Uh, shots of like actually following a fist into a body as it just like completely explodes it you know and it's like (laughs) trying to get like tangible expressions and kind of feelings out of bodily destruction which is the kind of thing that which is probably the most Cronenberg element of of his work that he does and it's it's so cool that Shinya Tsukamoto is even still around I was glad that we were Mm -hmm. jumping right back into him because Trevor did you get a chance to see his new one at TIFF he had a new movie at TIFF this year
0: no, I heard about that, but I I was pretty limited in what I uh, was able to to nab for TIFF and what I could afford, so I ended up just mostly doing Midnight Madness and. Uh, That's fair. Star. Midnight Madness is always yeah. fun, yeah. even
1: yeah. Even, yeah. even just but watching I mean, a big movie with the, with the midnight crowd. Um, exactly. But, yeah. But but he's been in a really weird zone recently, where he's been kind of um, you know with killing that came out in 2018 and yeah. Fire on the Plains in 2014. He's been very obsessed with and tormented with this like post-war Japan kind of kind of stuff. Like he's been making these grim sort of like anti-war period piece essentially parables. But what's been interesting to see is how you know so many of these techniques that he you find in these foundational works, like in this one, like he has like a disorienting handheld Uh, digital video style that he's doing even with his modern like what should be more normal war drama period piece like this one this new one called Shadow of Fire was all about a little boy just living in like the (coughs) ash and ruins of like a post World War II Japan and like living with a prostitute and hanging out with a soldier who shows him what a gun can do and like you know so he's doing things like this but even then it's still just like the idea of like violence as this really perverted um, you know very haunting you know, experience yeah. that you will remember forever is something that has just lingered through his entire work. Even when he's trying to do something commercial, which is kind of where I wanted to start with this, because we're going here mm-hmm. back to the beginnings of his career. This is his sophomore feature. Haruko the Goblin, um, which, you know, he, he did his, you know, apocalyptic Japanese cyberpunk film, Tetsuo the Iron Man, which is very surreal and very grotesque and very independent and underground in terms of its filmmaking style. And this got him the opportunity due to some sort of scholarship that he won because of Tetsuo. Um, where he got the opportunity to work for a studio, work with sets, work, uh, and and uh, he got a manga to adapt by uh, Dejiro Morohoshi, um, and so he he had you know like elements to work with. He had a real film crew. He had you know it's, and and a slightly more commercial premise that you might see in. Uh, I don't know if you want to go as far as saying like maybe like an American demon possession film or like yeah. an Italian horror film. But it, it's just, it, to own. me, it's very funny that this is probably Shin Yusukamoto's like most normal movie. And for anyone else, this would be like the weirdest movie they ever it's made still, in their entire
2: career. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watched this with, uh, I, I mean, I always, I watched a lot of the movies with my my brother Shane. And so he's gotten more used to these, these kind of things. Um, but I watched it with my other younger brother, Alec. And as soon as it ended, he enjoyed himself, but he was like, that was interesting. Fuck? That was weird. Yeah, yeah. and like it, it's it's just fun to get that reaction, especially when we're seeing it as a more conventional film from this type of uh, from this type of filmmaker. Even the tone is like really changed here from what I'm used to him. I'm not used to almost any comedy besides something that might be just so outrageous that it's kind of funny but this one he's outright trying to be kind of comedic and and wacky a little bit. with Well the yeah characters. because rather
1: than the usual like Lynch or Cronenberg comparisons I feel like he gets for maybe the surreal expressionist body horror cyberpunk stuff where it has like a I don't know like a, like a really thorough like uh, bleak kind of you know futurist kind of element to it this does have more of like you know, you could compare it to something, you know, a little bit of Fulci, a little bit of Ramy in terms of the slapstick
2: sort of like animated oh, yeah. sort of splatter um, totally.
1: uh, elements in there.
2: And, uh, you like know, I, the I felt is used as a joke, right? Like when we start seeing all these like these decapitated people, which, which, which we'll get to, it, it is so over the top that you're like, like, what? Like it's it's just a ridiculous amount of blood and, and, and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah and, and, and even the surrealness of it it's very similar to what you would see like Obayashi do in terms of surrealness right like mm. it's this it's, it's yeah. very like there's almost like this brightness and this glitteriness to it that yeah. then gets really really dark and, and, and interrupted it's like uh, you know uh, the, 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 the the haunting has a an effect on the actual look and texture of the movie sometimes and mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it is interesting to see him rein himself in and do something that is you know a little bit more traditional body horror in, in, in terms of of you know he's there's less I think in my opinion just in terms of character psychology and stuff there's less like anxiety and rage and expressionism on display and definitely less like sexual elements and sexual repression (laughs) elements that he has in so much of his uh, other other stuff that he's doing um but you know this and, and and this one almost reminded me of just kind of being a fun splatter movie like this ha- this seemed more yeah. interested in being animated and gruesome in jamie do you remember the name of that japanese horror one we did a couple months ago of the guy who did it all by himself and he was in his
2: room and <laughs> oh and he, did, he basically redoes like the evil dead about, he basically like,
1: uh, re- he basically remade evil dead on ten thousand dollars uh, in his house bloody muscle hell. bodybuilder in hell
0: yes that's bloody the one that's that's, that's yeah. the
1: tone this struck more for me than the usual totally. shinya sukamoto style film if that makes sense yeah
0: yeah absolutely and that movie is so good but like these are both great but man bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell is such a good time <laughs> oh,
2: one good of the greatest titles <laughs> of all a, time uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah a man purely just passionate about the evil dead and it's like i am i'm remaking that as as in any way possible like in whatever way i can i'm gonna remake this yeah. movie um I, yeah that i highly recommend that to anyone that uh, missed that episode um, yeah, well, because I remember yeah. when
1: we talked about that too a few months back, we were like, we we kind of felt that that wasn't even necessarily homaging Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson's like manic splatter comedy sensibility, but kind of straight up plagiarizing it at times. <laughs> yeah, but it still had color. this very weird <laughs> cool, very lo-fi distorted look to it that almost resembled like shot on video horror and some surreal yeah. sort of like Japanese ghost story uh, elements. And then obviously you get the chunky goopy kind of like gore effects and stop motion animated creatures well, you and know everything what? like that too.
2: Yeah. What's interesting, and I guess that maybe I'll, I should save it because I think it's for the, the next film, but th- there is something that I've noticed that's in the Bodybuilder movie where they have um, like giant ghosts or demons. And like there's there's one shot that ends in the Bodybuilder um, movie where it's like the big eye of one of the ghosts. And I think in Haunted School, yeah. they have a very similar thing where it's like a big ghost that's looking into him through the doorway and everything. I don't know if that's a... Uh, something that comes from Japanese ghost stories in general, but it's just something I've seen a couple times now.
0: Well, Japanese ghosts are are always like, you'll always have more inventive and weird and Mm -hmm. like strange ghosts than than you'll get in North America, which is usually just like a guy. A lot of the time it's just a guy. Whereas like you'll have giants and all (laughs) kinds of weird cool And it's usually
2: just a guy like yelling and going at you very quickly. There's a lot more. Maybe it's...
0: maybe his jaw go really big for a minute or something yeah. right yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but but i uh, but i i think that there's a similar level of there there's something interesting i think to be said that like uh, like such an underground, even Japanese horror film, like Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder from Hell, which is again all the makeup effects, all the acting, writing, directing, camera—it's yeah. all basically done by the guy who's in it. Um, and mm-hmm. so obviously there's an there's an incredibly uh, sort of like crude kind of style to that that we 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 liked and an ambition to that. And it, it's interesting yeah. to see sort of similar elements done by Sukamoto, who obviously we know is also a bit of an underground filmmaker and can have that style. But being given the chance to actually do this with a little bit of money, have money for sets, have money for makeup, have money for, you know, things that he didn't have in Tetsuo. And he, I think he used his limitations incredibly well in Tetsuo. Um, But there, there is something to be said about the fact that this is more of a mainstream horror movie in, in in terms of concept and in terms of production and for anyone who hasn't seen it it, it is very like you've heard a movie with this premise before like it is a school right. was built on a gate to hell. Lucio Fulci. Um, And there are a bunch of demons or goblins or creatures that are hanging out uh, behind that gate and waiting for their chance to escape. And when they do get their chance to escape, uh, they are these little tiny headless, or sorry, not headless, heads, bodiless heads with little spider legs. And they go around uh, decapitating children in order (laughs) to collect oh, their heads make, and also they turn them into godlies. They make them children decapitate themselves.
0: They make children yes. decapitate themselves. It's an important distinction. <laughs> that's,
1: that, that, that's true because they sing these little siren songs and they grab onto your face like little face huggers and they uh, they, they distract you with this beautiful dream uh, yes. while you are, you know, maybe chopping your own head off with like a box cutter or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're basically just collecting heads for the gates of hell. And all, all of a sudden we have an archeology span professor and a, uh, young student who is, uh, looking for his, is he looking for his teacher or his dad? I can't remember. Um, I'm not cause he's sure. looking for someone as, 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 as yeah. well, but I'm, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, oh, wait, sorry. It's. The relationship was slightly confusing because he he's yeah, the guy who goes missing is his father. But the archaeology professor is his uncle in law. I was remember trying I was oh, trying to right. actually write this down and yeah. actually web this out a little bit um, but those two essentially have to go on a mission to find out you know what exactly is going on with all of these incredibly gory deaths of children that are happening inside the school and <laughs> how it is connected to the disappearance of his father and uh, yeah, yeah. Sukamoto finds all kinds of really really crazy surreal um, body horror sequences in 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 order to depict that. I imagine some of them has to come a little bit from the manga artist as well. Um, yeah. Who apparently is like a relatively well-known like, like horror manga artist. I was I was looking up uh, a little bit about him and he was talking about all about his love of Salvador Dali and H.P. Lovecraft. So I was like, yeah, you oh, know, that's there's awesome. a little bit of that like ancient folklore horror imagery. And apparently this dude like really inspired Miyazaki as well, like very early on in his career.
2: Or at least Miyazaki says so. So oh, sweet.
0: This makes total sense. Yeah.
2: There's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, there's, there's a lot of um the thing that I noticed first like right away was and we've kind of already talked about it, but just here are some specifics, is the the tonal change that I'm not used to from Sukamoto, where you're introduced to the archaeologist and it already seems like you know, he's, people aren't treating him very well. Like he's kind of a discredited archaeologist now. They almost seem to be mocking him and almost patronizing him a little bit. Um and they use that for oh, Yeah, like what
1: kind of guy could get excited about breakthroughs in mound theory? They're like, come <laughs> right? on, man. Yeah. Like, there's no fucking such thing as like supernatural beings hanging out in, you know,
2: dirt riddled tombs and shit. This guy's like this guy's just yeah, an This asshole, guy's off, off his rock. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so and even the way that um he plays him is very just kind of like kind of silly. Uh, a little bit like he it's did you did character. you
1: recognize him by the way jamie uh kenji Sawada is the actor playing him who's actually the guy from
2: the kyoko's house section of mishima so we actually recently did oh, talk about him awesome yeah <laughs> oh, i now eh. i do that's that's awesome yeah absolute king there um <laughs> and so it, it does that uh it does that kind of that that tonal a change for me, just because this is like I, I've only seen Tsukamoto at his just absolutely most bizarre. It feels like um, Killing is a little bit more grounded, I guess. But but everything else I've seen has been pretty surreal. Um, and then it, it, when it introduces the 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 kids, it kind of has like this. Um, I don't know. It's very. It's it, it's kind of beautiful and like innocent and and calming it's got like the three come up onto the schoolyard and the camera's kind of like slowly panning down as they approach and everything Mm -hmm. the music is fantastic i thought um and I i think both films actually have really great scores just really sweeping and beautiful and um uh just idyllic and it's it's um uh, it's just not like again it's not what I'm used to from him so him setting no this no the, the, it has a strangely kind of like change happens it has a, a
1: strangely like cheery vibe off the start right where yeah. you're like hanging out yeah. with like this nerdy guy in his bucket hat who has like you know kind of like yeah, he has some, you know, very silly, uh, almost like childish energy to the way that he approaches uh, his his archaeology work that he does, and mm-hmm. um, obviously, also you have like all the, the the kids like going to school. You have like a schoolgirl like riding her bike right next to like a sunny field of colorful flowers, and there's you know even the the, the synths and orchestral uh, strings and mm-hmm. stuff are, are are quite warm, and then obviously it is interrupted when. Uh, Mr. Yabe is the uh, teacher who uh, uh, ends up going into this subterranean tunnel with his uh, student, who is the brother in law of the archaeologist, um, uh, uh, Rehiro, in, in, in this film. And uh, there is, they unleash these this uh, animalistic force that at first we don't see anything about it's a completely invisible force that is depicted in these very very Sam Raimi style yeah. uh, chaotic <laughs> handheld shaky just like point of view images right and the the, the crazy Incredibly one is fast. just how physically animated that whole section is when the camera just starts charging at them and like normally most filmmakers would stop it once the camera just like reaches the screaming face and they're like there you go well, you get the gist that person was captured by whatever that invisible force was but jenny sukumoto's instinct is always to go a little bit more extreme if he can and to <laughs> include the shots of them being dragged through the tunnel almost like they've yeah. been hit by a car and the camera is <clears throat> attached to the car and we're watching them just get dragged through the tunnel it's a pretty crazy image to start your movie on
2: absolutely yeah. it, it reminded me especially just how quick it's going and like the, you, you kind of have the blurs because of how fast the camera's moving um, it reminded me of that section in Tetsuo the Iron uh, Man where he's going through the city after he's taken his full transformation and just like speeding through the streets it kind of reminded yes. me of that a little bit um, so yeah very cool
0: yeah when he's got the little the, the he's grown jets on his feet and he's just like motionlessly <laughs> yeah shooting through the city at hundred miles an hour. Yeah. It's, it's great. It really does feel yeah. like a turbocharged version of the rainy, like, e- um, evil forest camera from evil Dead, just yeah. like rocketing so fast. And there's a l- later sequence with it in the school itself that just like goes on way past where you think it would. And it's like super kinetic. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 shortly after we pick up with some, uh, delinquent boys, including Yabe's son, um, uh, Masuo, um, who is the uh, the, the main uh, kid who's going to team up with the archaeology guy? And uh, I do like that they're uh, just trying to like drink lake beer on the school property. That they're literally <laughs> yeah. just like keeping a bunch of beer cold, <laughs> like in in the dock, and the creepy janitor. Both movies also have a creepy janitor worth noting. Yes. Uh, jan- janitors uh, in in Japanese haunted schools are very scary. This one in particular is like scratching his like sickle along like the school wall. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> is this <guy laughs> doing?
2: Um, yeah. He's really trying to come off as threatening.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and what what it it, kind of kicks into gear pretty fast because the girl who was in the tunnel with, uh, Yabe is named Reiko. And, uh, she kind of comes back as this, uh, you know, this very unreal kind of ghostly force that at first the boys are a little confused by because they see her kind of like what looks to be, you know, like seducing a, a boy with like a little ominous lullaby about her like secret dreams that they're kind of watching happen. And also Masao uh, starts, like, burning up and, like, emitting steam from his back every time one of these boys kind of goes missing, which we later I, find out, yeah. I guess, it's kind of like the souls or the faces of these decapitated children, like, pushing their way through his body, like, every time someone yeah. dies. And you literally they start smile. to see, like, <laughs> it almost looks like tattooed faces on his back.
2: <laughs> yeah, and there's something creepy about them. They, the ghosts have them, like, when they bury into his uh, or burn into his back, they're smiling too, which just adds like a little bit of a creepy factor to it. Um, Yeah. Just because it's obviously that's not the case whatsoever. (laughs) Every time you see somebody die, it's just it's either a decapitation, a huge scream before that decapitation, maybe just a huge blood splatter on a window. I think that's the one they start with. Um, but I I like right away they They show you a little bit
1: more and more of the process every time where we're like okay she clearly drew that boy in and then blood sprayed all over that wall and then a face appeared on this kid's back and at first it's very surreal it's connecting it this to you completely just through visuals and then at a certain point we start to see you know like some of the kids actually get drawn into the sort of hypnotic luring process which because i had recently because of zone of interest playing tiff i had just rewatched under the skin recently i was like yeah there's a little bit of like you know a monster luring in uh Mm -hmm. these boys and then you know slaughtering them except the you know the process is a little bit different here yeah, 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 and
0: I love that they uh, slowly the 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 drips and drabs of revealing the creature design and what what's going on with the creature is so well done through the whole movie all the way to the last like ten minutes when you like, find out you the camera
1: s- is attached to spider legs you know it's very yeah. funny
0: yeah. <laughs> first is it's that, just that an invisible force
2: oh I, I was th- there is something like. Kind of curious about it at first when when it is so low to the ground the way the POV is and how fast yeah. it's moving you're just like what is this goblin like what does this look like because it's I I mean and now you know when it's finally revealed goblin for me seems like a little strange of a title to give it but it's um, not what I would
0: choose yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> right 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 but 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 in general I was just curious like what could this design possibly be and then they also have you um, think about it. Later on, too, when they start doing the decapitations and the goblin is like playing with the heads and shit, but you can't see the body yet. And so you'll see a head kind of like move up and down a floor as it's being grabbed, but you still can't see the creature. Um, And just, yeah, until it's revealed, I was constantly trying to come up with like, what is this thing going to look like?
0: And the reveal shot is so cool, too, because you see... The first victim like a woman's head, like singing really beautifully at night in these beautifully lit shots. And then mm-hmm. you're like, "What the hell? What's going on here?" And then eventually, the the reveal shot of the of what the the goblins are is her face like upright in in water. And then you just see like the <laughs> the six spider legs like daintily pop up around it through the water. It's like yeah, really really I mean, well done. Absolutely. Um, and then eventually you'll get either their reveals that they can fly. They have little wings that pop out and stuff. It's great. <laughs>
2: but my, I,
1: I was curious, what uh, if you guys had this reaction or not, one of my favorite things that recurs through the movie is that they, you know, like each boy kind of runs into this little girl's head and she's singing a beautiful song and she's a little pale looking, but you know, she's, you know, clearly they, they like her, they have a crush on her or something. They're going towards her. And, uh, at a certain point, I was like, all of you know that she has, like, spider legs now. And I'm like, if you just, like, (laughs) change the angle of where you're looking at her from, you would see these (laughs) spider legs. Like, there's that great sequence when she's like, like, sitting behind the piano, and she's playing this very beautiful melody for him. And I was like, dude, if you, like, stepped, like, a few inches to the right right. you would see the spider legs (laughs) like it's not like she's not that convincing anymore after the reveal is actually made in terms of like how she's disguising herself as uh i'm actually just like a beautiful girl singing a song for you and i'm like no you guys all know she's a spider now
0: Come on, guys. Yeah.
1: You know, you've you've seen the wild, animated, like hysterical screaming running sequences. You've seen your friends at this point uh, chop their own heads off with box cutters and broken glass and spray (laughs) blood geysers like straight out of fucking like Lady Snowblood. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. At, 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 a, at a certain point, this pale, disembodied head needs to not have power not be over trusted. you just because she sings <laughs> <Yeah>. a song.
2: <laughs> do not be trusted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at that point, you're I just do...
0: like, you're fooling. You're convincing yourself. You want to you wanna believe that point.
2: You want to make out with a ghost girl. yeah
1: there's some good there's some good gags (laughs) with her head too where at one point they think that she's like hiding in some like pots and pans so they're like playing whack-a-mole with the pots and pans looking for a head (laughs) and stuff like that there's there's some like goofiness to this as well as like the frenzied and uh grotesqueness that you would expect of uh yeah and there, there
2: there does come there's a lot of chaos that comes from not just the kills but the fact that um the uh the star um who's the what's the young kid's name the one that gets burned every single time um Masao Masao um mm, yeah. every time like that ha- like someone dies Masao just gets burned so there's always this added tension to every single scene and i would you know there's like four or five maybe six deaths or something like in this so every single time they just cut back to the kid and he's just just in such pain and screaming and his his friends are trying to console him and there's so many moments where they go back to the scene with the kids um uh from whatever they were showing you previously and they're bandaging up his his burn again uh to the point where at a certain point he's got like three bandage faces and two that are still still open and you can see them and um, I just like the constant addition of those already chaotic scenes, having that also be a part of it. Yeah,
1: he, yeah. he, he loves uh, Sukamoto has always loved the, uh, the physical toll. Uh, yeah. and like the, the almost irreversible nature that yeah like you, you could do like someone's souls trying to like come through the back of someone or whatever but he's like no what would that look like in terms of like like would it be charred would it be scabby like that's the yeah. kind of stuff that Sukamoto kind of focuses on
2: <laughs> and it's such insult yeah. to injury like you're already losing your friends they're being decapitated in front of you and then their happy faces are burned onto your back every single time it's just
1: yeah you, are, you already like, have to come across their heads just like sitting in trees which is like one of the freakiest right. images for me when he just oh, like yeah. it's it, like like the tree branches almost look like spider legs but they're not it's just his head hanging there
2: yeah and then yeah. They did, like and he, again he adds this little like it's a it's almost just to be depraved a little bit perverse where it shows the head like falling off the tree and just into the darkness kind of yeah, and thing. Like, like leaking and shit yeah, like yeah. yeah there's just all these yeah. little details that he goes on that i don't think would be in a in a more conventional, you know, uh, haunted school kind of uh, film like this. Yeah, he always goes the extra
0: step to be, like, textural or nasty or both, uh, preferably yes. in, in every possible way. The the stuff with the yeah. back I'd actually forgotten about, and it's so gross and weird and just, like, totally not even necessary for the narrative at all. I mean, I'm sure it's from the manga <laughs> right. um, ca- carried over, right. but I refuse to believe it's as gross as Tsukamoto makes it um, in, the, in the manga like, he really does. <laughs> Go the extra mile, yeah. that's
2: great. I love early on, this is just a small little detail I like from the kids, but I like early on too that, you know, they're shown drinking the beer from the lake and then later uh, when they, one of the times when they cut back to them um, bandaging up um, Maceo f- from one of his burns, they're still drinking the beer like they brought it from the lake. There's just something small about that detail that I was like, these kids are still partying. You know, they're trying to keep their head on straight. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, both of these yeah. share in common that, like, these kids are done, man. Like, the next one ends, <laughs> yeah. like, the last day before summer vacation. It's like, no, nah, we're, we're going kid mode. We don't need any of this shit. That's and right. The the, the the haunted demons just said, no, it's time to grow up, you know? And <laughs> yeah. th- that's, that's uh, they they kind of get a little bit more, uh, w- we start to actually find out what it is that's happening through a little bit of the exposition through Mr. Yabe's notebook. um where we find out that I was a little confused because I thought this was going to be, like, Hiroko was, like, a goblin. Like, he, that was just the name of a goblin, but it sounds like they're all kind of named Hiroko, or, like... Yeah, it's almost like are,
2: it's, like, Legion. We are one, but yeah, <laughs> you
1: know. yeah, it turns out that it's, like, so this, like, 8th eighth, eighth century like monster force of some kind. And the seal that was broken at the beginning uh, is is what kept him in like this stone room underground. And they have to figure out how to like seal him back in the mound and kind of all of this stuff. And um, eventually, obviously, this is going to lead to an entire uh, subterranean set piece where he's going to go down there. And I I will say that some of the imagery that like leads us are There, there was one shot in this that actually I thought was astonishing, um, which is the reverse side of the head singing in the uh, foggy river. Cause I think you were talking about that reveal, Trevor, which is a great moment yeah. when it's just, you know, the, 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 pale little girl's head face up in the pool of water, singing the song. And then, you know, revealing the spider leg straight out of the thing where it starts crawling around and moving around. And they, obviously they get into this whole set piece where they're actually fighting um, with her and, and, and everything like that. And there's yeah. a, there's a whole lot of great like physicality to that, which we'll come back to that set piece. But the shot that they do eventually when they do go underground and they do the, reverse shot of what it's looking like when she's up looking up at the moonlight in the pool, face up, singing her song. Mm-hmm. And it's all the little Harukos at the bottom, like reaching up for her, being like, Oh, yeah. Uh, hello. You know, she's got like a little collection down beneath. It's almost like those little ashy guys in like the Little Mermaid or whatever, who just like yeah. they yeah, yeah. all like just they're, they're they're little like urchins that are just like stuck on the rock, forced to look at like, you know, the uh, the the girl singing her song up top. But it's so cool to get the reverse shot where you actually mm-hmm. like you're in the cave and you see the reverse side of the water and the moonlight and her head and everything like that and it's just a cool bit of like world building which is maybe another image from the manga as well yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. is that the moment what, where you see like thing? the whole crowd of them oh sorry go ahead
2: yes oh, no go ahead uh,
0: and their, head, well, their heads move as one yeah it's cool
2: sorry incredible yeah yeah I, I also love um uh, the the archaeologist's little the tool that he uses it's like a shock tool of some kind as he's fighting right. fighting them off. Um, well, pl- and and also
1: like a sensor, right? He used like yeah. pots to create some sort of like demon sensor or something. <laughs> like
2: yeah, yeah he just cobbles it together.
0: <laughs> it's so cool. I and completely he- <laughs> forgot about that too.
2: Sawada's performance is is so fun too because he's just constantly like really reacting to all the chaos that's happening around him. So he's as all the, all of this violence is happening he's the one that's also screaming at the top of his lungs but kind of just <laughs> frantically using his tool. It, it almost seems like he's not skilled with it but he's just determined enough to, to try to, to use it against them. Um, it's very funny the way he comes off. It's like he knows what he's talking about. He's aware of these goblins and this kind of ancient past and everything but he still comes off as kind of a goof a little bit um and uh i I love that mix in his character he's he's very very
0: watchful and very uh goofy but also competent in a in a very uh yeah it's a good mix yeah
2: yeah like he he, it feels sometimes like he stumbles into the right answer but his knowledge at least gets him to that point, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I yeah, do yeah. love that his main weapon in this is bug spray. That's just a <laughs> That's good joke. That's great. Yeah. When yes. like, he stops using whatever contraption he has and it's just now it's just spiders coming at him and he's just like spray, spray, <laughs> spray. Well, it's, yeah, because he
1: kind of figures it out during that set piece where, um, you know, like uh, Reku is uh, seducing uh, Maseo and the you know the 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 whole deal is that you know she's playing the little um uh piano and Mm -hmm. i think it's right after two that the janitor like chased them around and was like i told you guys to leave like you guys this is the you guys caused all this to happen you know um yeah but she but but she's singing her siren song and you know for some reason and though he knows she know he knows that she's a spider. She's seen the spider legs. He's you know, he's getting a little bit closer to her. And we do get revealed that they kind of weaponize like feelings and dreams and kind of hopes and all of these things. And, you know, she eventually at some point is like drooling on his head from the ceiling. And we go into this dream, you know, where, you know, he is, you know, being sort of uh you know reintroduced to her because he has like a romantic feelings for her and it's almost like this like yeah. field picnic style thing where it's everything's bright and shiny and happy and and uh, but she is telling him in this perfect dream of like a date together uh, to cut his own throat with a chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. it's an amazing scene it's so cool and he like yeah. it slowly to himself just smiling and everything yeah, oh and then God. he wakes
1: up to see that the spider head is like basically nearly making out with him and is, you know, <laughs> straight up doing like the alien face hugger, kind of like grabbing onto his skull and stuff. And it's at that point that uh the archaeologist has to come in with the bug spray and actually yeah. start like fighting it and it, there is some cool little beats to you know having the head like roll up its legs so it can like roll on the ground and like oh, hiding yeah. in, in in certain things and and it almost does like a uh, kaiju movie level of like evolving and growing like i was thinking about of uh what's the what's the oil monster godzilla hedora that's his name right Hedoran's Hedoran's yeah, my, yeah. you know how he's the giant sludge and then all of a sudden he grows wings and Godzilla has to figure out how to deal with that that's what I was thinking about when all of a sudden this spider head woman just had like butterfly wings and was like you know trying to shove her tongue down throats and shit like that and flying around
0: (laughs) yeah I love when monsters have like stages uh that are slowly kind of revealed so the the characters have to like React on the ground, like just quickly decide what to do now, and then it keeps going. Like it's like boss stages. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And f- and come up with like a new solution. I also and then yeah just because of a, a new design. Usually the director has to figure out a way to kind of capture that as well. And and something I was surprised by, especially just given the first half of the movie where they take a lot of time to. To slowly show you the design of the creature. This the last yeah. forty five minutes, they just show it to you like over and over and over again. And he's not shy about uh, um, the practical effect work whatsoever. Like he's very confident in showing the spider demon things crawling around and in every which way too. Sometimes they're on the ceiling, you know. Like you said, they eventually evolve into a flying form. Um, they have a ton of close ups when they're actually walking towards characters, and it looks fantastic. It looks awesome every single time. Um, so that was something I was really impressed by and not really expecting, to be honest.
0: Yeah, the effects are amazing. They're all practical, obviously. They're all done very ingeniously. Um, mm-hmm. And I ha- I'm i not entirely certain I have to look up the credits because I, I have a bad head for it. But I believe the guy who designed all that and did the special effects also did a lot of the character creation and monster design for uh, the Splatterhouse game series and um, oh, okay. House, one of, one of the House of the Deads as well.
2: Oh, cool. uh, yeah.
0: Takashi, Takashi Oda is, is his name. Special creature. Wow. effects. Very yeah, yeah. cool. I, um, yeah, I follow him on Twitter and he posts pictures of the, 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 the goblin crab leg, uh, mechanism every once in a while, like all were kind of rotted, but still kind of still cool.
2: Oh, that's sweet. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's great awesome. work. It's awesome. I love the design and like, you know, it, we have seen the design in, in itself. It is very much like the, the thing. Um, but yeah. just I, I was I was really surprised by the confidence in him showing it so much and so well yeah because yeah, yeah, sometimes like that can backfire like, right like if the effects totally. work
1: doesn't hold up or you don't have the visual imagination to like actually make it physically feel threatening or scary in the way that yeah. you know they should be that, that yes. can go really wrong to show it so
2: much yeah. but this yeah, could easily no, they do be it, very they do it pretty well here silly I feel like and not yeah, like it can creepy be, uh, in yeah. any way. Um and of course there's some silliness built into it, but it all anything that is kind of funny seems on purpose whereas I'm never I'm yeah. never really laughing at the the creatures themselves they are kind of terrifying. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it is just it, I looked it up it is Takashi um and he worked on Among oh, other yeah. Things Haruko, the Goblin, Tetsuo 2 Body Hammer, uh oh, some of the nice. Gamera films, Splatterhouse, House of the Dead. Extremely
2: cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Awesome. The, the effects work in Body Hammer is amazing as well. We talked about the, uh, you know, some of the ways that they meld like the, like that sex scene with the the mom where he's like holding a gun to her head or whatever, and then the gun becomes like part of his hand and shit. Like it fucking mm-hmm. what a crazy. Yeah. I kind of see
0: that. <laughs> I've only
2: seen. Uh, more, I was well. Did did he do the more um the uh the more modern Gamaras? Because I think I've seen a couple I, of those. I
0: believe, yeah, he worked on some of the 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 '90s trilogy of Gamera films, which are for oh, me they look great. A, 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 they're incredible. Those those three films, along with Shin Godzilla and the original Godzilla, are like the kaiju films for me.
2: Like, mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah, I think um, they're great. Another oh, thing yeah. I like too is the um, they kind of set this up for. They, they have these almost visions of hell where they see all the all the crab spider creatures and the other souls that have been buried into the, or burned into the kid's back. But he's almost seeing him as a vision of like, he's almost like the devil or something. He's got all the burned, uh, burned people in the back. He's got these the three horns coming out of his head. He's like reciting some, uh, spell of some kind or something like that. Um, and then it, later yeah. on it, it becomes kind of the answer to everything. He is the one that he puts on this almost makeshift crown and and does a similar uh ritual or whatever to kind of save the day but i like the the all the imagery of hell that they set up prior just in the vision is very cool as well oh
0: yeah yeah absolutely it's it's pretty ingenious all throughout
2: yeah it's it's seamless the way they go through all of these um these kind of surreal moments where they have the more idyllic like The field, you know, it almost it it almost doesn't make any sense. It's just a a vision of pure bliss that you're like, where is this field? Why am I here? What like it just doesn't make any sense. But then also going into these visions of hell at the same time. Um, But then also keeping a wackiness to some of the character reactions and everything. It's it's honestly he's balancing a lot and he's doing a really good job of it. Not that I'm surprised because that is kind of his thing, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that the archaeologist basically goes like Indiana Jones mode at a certain point, he's like, let's analyze the symbols. Let's find the land shaped (laughs) like a rhombus. You know, let's draw lines to statues to the gate and all of this. Like it's it feels like such a strange like solution to the presented problem which obviously in like something like a Fulci movie you would just be like nah give the fuck up like you're just gonna descend and (laughs) it's gonna be fucking horrible like like this kind of character doesn't typically make sense in a story like this because it's like this character would just be defeated or he would be decapitated or like it doesn't make sense that this would be the way that you. I mean, shit, even the janitor, uh, he thinks that he's going to get like changed or infected by the goblin at one point. So he just shoots himself in the head off screen. Right. Um,
0: yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. They do that really? I love I forgot almost about this detail, too. Right before he walks away and you hear the gunshot, they have that little like it seems like a little tentacle thing coming out of his neck as if he is starting the transformation. Um, Yeah. Which I found interesting. I do wish they showed, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm just misremembering and haven't looked at my notes deep enough yet, but they, they, they don't actually show that full... Transformation, which I, if they could have pulled it off, I would have liked to see just because that heavily implies oh, that. Oh, there you mean is like something. the actual
1: head being torn off and then turning they into a the monster? They do, yeah.
0: Oh, they yeah, do. It's at the very end. Yeah, they, oh, okay. at the very end, you, you just see the head. I forgot about
2: it in my notes here.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of in the end with the, where everything else is going on. Um, but yeah, they definitely mm-hmm. do show like the head just like decapitating itself with uh, pushing itself off really cool it's well cool. and i
1: was gonna say because the, 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 they show them find mr yabe when they eventually go uh, into the stone room and everything like that too right and they show yeah. um where they and, and i think he maybe is the one who gets his head taken off i and believe then it, it is yeah he actually transforms um but uh, the thing that I'll say distracted me in in, in that scene in, uh, in a great way um, was I was laughing way too hard at the gag of all of the goblins just like existing down there and just like screaming in the background of like every shot. Yeah. It just oh, it, it yeah. was like. Like I, I th- that was so funny that I actually had to go back and like I feel like I stopped paying attention to the scene because I was like <laughs> they're probably talking about something important. And I just can't stop laughing that like they're in this open room with, you know, you know, they're at the point where they're using spells and they're, you know, talking about stories of like the men like locking their wives in caves and there's a whole subplot too about the archaeologist having like a a dead wife which mostly just results in a gag where he's like carrying his dead wife's photo on his back (laughs) through the whole set piece whether when when they find this like moonlight ray in the sky coming from the pool and, and 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 all of that but yeah the the whole thing where they're just screeching down below at the bottom of the scene where they're they're sitting there up top, like being like, yeah, how do we defeat these guys? How do we lock this gate? And all you can hear is ah! <laughs> just like <Yeah. laughs> down
2: below. He does this really cool kind of um, low angle shot too, where he pans across them all and you can just see all yeah. their like. It's only, it's what their little hands like, look, uh. yeah yeah they almost look like hands yeah it's it's the strangest <laughs> design for a like a mouth that's yelling or something like that it, it is very weird um, but oh you're right Trevor the uh, it was the um, uh, the dad I think when he gets down they find the dad's head and he's the one that stretches out like, the the thing yeah. style and turns into it so yeah yeah that that is a wild thing to watch because again it was just something I wasn't expecting from. From this kind of a film
0: yeah yeah it's deceptive like the tone is so like like we said kind of gateway and then you'll drop like some people committing suicide and cutting their own heads off and, all and then again you have the archaeologist
2: just, just surrounded by these like new newly found spiders that aren't even fully formed yet and he's spraying them like crazy in the finale yeah. it's very <laughs> funny in that sense it's, it's such a weird amalgamation of things where, the, like, that is very comedic. Just a guy yelling and, and spraying a bunch of giant bugs with bug spray as the, as the answer to this hell that <laughs> has been put upon them. Um, but then you still have, like, genuine decapitations and genuine head stretching where you see every muscle fiber, like, being broken before he's turned into a spider monster. It's 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 and, and, and they're being they're being
1: at, at in the finale too they're being chased around in like full stop motion animation by like yeah the, you know these these yeah. heads with spider legs and you know, it, it, it does turn into like a little bit of like an entire action set piece, which they eventually resolve by like finding some sort of like family heirloom. It's like this ancient crown helmet and then, you know, yeah. saying the, you know, the the stories or the spells that they need to say to kind of close the gate and all of that. No, although, of course, Haiku makes like one last attempt, the uh, the uh, lady spider to uh, face yeah. hug the archie the archaeologist making him think that he can uh you know he can die in place of his wife or something like that you know trying to exploit right. his feelings a little bit and uh the uh the kid ends up being the one that you know actually ends up sealing uh the the, the yeah. gate and uh you know all all of the the one shot of all of the insect faces like trying to make their way through the little door and it's basically just oh, like a so shot good. of like what if someone
2: like slammed a door on their faces yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. kind of funny <laughs> yeah and they are mad yeah. about it too like the ones that actually have heads too or left, are left or it's very funny to watch i think they end on the like the the ryko head um kind of being like like you know screaming that it's closing in on them and everything um yeah, it's it's a really interesting finale, and then it it, tur- it kind of turns into uh, which I, I do like, and I think it was deserved just in the sense of the tone. Um, it has that very nice uh, kind of farewell to one of the ghosts. I think it's uh, Riku or Raikou.
0: Yeah, um, the where uh, they have the big this head in the sky. Gi- right?
2: Yeah, the gig- giant floating head that seems almost straight uh, out of Donnie Darko. Yes, the, like
1: cosmic trail. Totally. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was <laughs> yeah. just
2: gonna say that. Yep. Totally. <laughs> um and then I guess it, it's kind of it, it turns into this like they go into space and then the rest of the people that have died throughout the movie join that that head going into space it's it's very bizarre oddly kind of Yeah I mean it's, it's, it's I think it's
1: supposed to be like a coming a children's coming to term with mortality yeah. thing and like souls yeah. traveling and that kind of you know it's kind of what it what it feels like it's going for it's just funny because it was so gruesome on its way to that idea yes, that I was yes. like I don't know if that kid actually learned that lesson watching all of his friends mm, cut yeah. their own heads like off for totally spider demons you know I don't
2: know <laughs> yeah it's like I'm glad that I'm glad that he saw his you know his crush soul go off to the next realm or whatever it is and it's it seems like it's a uh, found peace and, and the archaeologist
1: but, walks into the sunset being like I don't need my wife I'm all good you know I got I got <laughs> yeah. my fucking weird little sensor you know and I got my I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, they, I mean they realistically this is the one they should have made sequels to I would have been like an Indiana Jones series, but it's a guy who runs into strange Japanese
2: demons.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah, sweet. I, I'd watch every single one of those. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I <laughs> do like that he, says, he mentions that he should have used... Nicer music to lure the goblins, which implies that, like, it's the music that sets them off. Well, yeah, he might might have found like like better,
1: good goblins, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he he likes them, he likes supernatural things. He didn't want to kill anyone, he didn't want to bug spray anyone, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Which is such uh, a wacky tone in terms of a character because it's just once again, it's just it's really not Sukamoto sensibility, that kind of character. Like his characters yeah. are all like, fuck the world. You know, like I think about the our love will tear this fucking world apart as we're going to like fucking demolish Tokyo and become the new. M- new Flesh Metal people in the Tetsuo movies, yeah. right? Like it, his his philosophy, and even in his war stuff, like it just seems so much bleaker in terms of the characters he's attracted to, the psychologies
2: and psychosis that sure. he's attracted to. Do you think it's and, because um, he was doing um, like it was his his first studio gig, so he wanted to give him more that's what I think. I, I think he was just he was doing what a
1: studio filmmaker does: is they take material the studio wants to make and they just they punch it. In the way that yeah. they know how to do that kind of thing, you know, and 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 as a result, he does get something that has a little bit of a similar vibe to like Obayashi's house, just in terms of like the surreal, yeah. haunted, you know, weirdness. You have some of the flying heads, you have the bright, colorful, silly attitudes, a little bit mixed in with the more grim stuff that that, that kind of comes up on the side. Although in this case, yeah. a lot more sort of creature and splatter movie uh, eccentricity and sort of slapstick energy and and, and everything, and it is very. cool Cool, I will say to see Sukamoto work with studio sets and studio cameras and work with someone else's material. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, part, part of it for me, if we maybe are pivoting towards the reductive rating round, is this this still ended up in the very, very high three territory for me. I, I want to come back mm. to it because I, I was just a little surprised by exactly that where yeah. <laughs> I was like, it had yeah. the silly, gory manga energy to it. It had some of the tonal wackiness that I, you know, thought I'd get a little bit out of it. And in terms of story and character, I did feel a little bit like it was a little like four higher for him, where it mm-hmm. was not mm. as perverse in terms of
0: oh, yeah, philosophy
1: yeah. Yeah. and psychology. And there, there, there is one of those things where it's like, you know, I really like the perverse expressionism of him as a filmmaker, like in Tetsuo, there's something mutilating about the futurism of it. There's something bleak about that. And even Tokyo fist where it's like the emotional romantic stuff is released through the destruction of the body and that kind of stuff like that, that, that to me is a little bit missing in this because he was adapting someone else's material. And because the studio clearly wanted him to release a, you know, kind of a fun you know, splatter horror film that was kind of popular at the time, especially Mm -hmm. with the post evil deads. Um, So like, I, I, I totally get that. And I also think that he did like a good job of someone being asked to do that kind of movie it's just one of those things yeah. where when this devolves a little bit into them sitting down and talking about like the conventional stuff about like the dead wives and you know fathers being possessed and all of this it, it, it didn't quite hit me as hard and it was kind of just more silly and entertaining um yeah. but like as far as studio horror goes like the fact that i'm saying that this is like a conventional studio horror film because it's not like it's it's yeah. fucking crazy still it's right. weird it's gross <laughs> it features ghostly disembodied goblin heads with spider legs seducing children with siren songs so that they will chop their own heads off so like <laughs> at, at a certain point I'm like is my argument full of shit I don't know but that was just my <laughs> immediate impression watching it for the first time but I will say like I this, this is one I see myself coming back to and maybe warming up yeah. to uh, that specifically it was just in terms of being super familiar with Sukumoto, this was uh, a little bit impersonal uh for Mm -hmm. for him in a way that i was not expecting on first watch but very solid still
2: yeah no i i I totally i do totally get that i uh i I think i'm still i'm gonna give it a four i really do still um kind of love this movie i i totally agree with what you just said um in the in regards to what i prefer Sukumoto to be doing I just think that this is such a—it's unique in that sense that you get to watch somebody so weird, uh, so unique, um, and and so like perverse uh, do something that's more of a conventional studio horror movie. I always like. Yeah, that's kind of why that's kind of
1: why we love The Fly, right? Because it's like Cronenberg's weirdness being mixed with like a more commercial premise for a horror movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it always for me it always just pushes it into this weird state where it, 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 there's, he finds balance, but there's always this, um, this kind of whiplash that I really enjoy where you have a more conventional moment, more of a conventional dramatic beat. And then all of a sudden you have just geysers of blood spilling out of a body and, and, you know, that head being taken into a spider monster and, and then, you know, it's seducing uh, children through song, like you said, it just there's there's so many weird elements that mix in with the more conventional elements um, that it, I think it 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 wins me over by the end. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, that being said, the, the the visual effects are incredible. Like every single time they show the the spider monsters, I found it to be kind of uh, fresh, and um, I love the way that he captures the evolution of them. Um, and how he slowly unveils them, but then still takes a lot of time showing you them. Like, the first 45 minutes is very suspense-built in that sense, but then he just outright... Every scene basically has one of the spider <laughs> monsters, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and I love that he's not shy. Anytime a director isn't shy about the practical effects and has that confidence with it, um, it, it really wins me over. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend it. It is very um, traditional, just in the sense of how the character... Beats are gonna go and all of that but if you're if you're in it just to watch the the incredible effects and just watch you know Tsukamoto obviously have a very good time with what he was uh, allowed to do um, you, you'll have a yeah, you'll have and a working time.
1: with a cinematographer well known for those like uh, 90s era Godzilla movies um, mm-hmm. so like it, it has some of that uh texture to it and 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 color to it as well it looks nice yeah
2: yeah and it it, once again it is wild to have something that's like uh you have a lot of uh, of innocence and and even the a lot of the um the score has this what reminded me of those scenes in like older rpgs where it would just be the the small town and like you're talking to your friends it's just very yeah very inviting and very beautiful um but then you have the most perverse crazy spider monster shit at the same time. So uh, yeah, that back and forth is great. So four out of five for me. Hell yeah. For you, Charlie. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Four out of five is where I would land as well. And I totally agree uh, with all of those points. I came at the movie from having, I think I've only seen, yeah, I've only seen Tetsu of the Iron Man. So I'm, I'm severely lacking. Oh, and I just watched Taze recently, but when I first saw it, I was, I was coming from a, a place where I was really not familiar with Sukumoto's mo- work at all. Um, so it kind of just mm-hmm. took it on its own terms where um, but like if I came to that expecting like oh it's a, Sukum- a Sukumoto film like it's tame. it's it's quite tame for that because um, he does mm-hmm. all kinds of wild trans- transgressive extremely bizarre shit um, yeah so wa- taking- watch it
1: before you watch yeah. like Body Hammer or Snake of <laughs> June or Bullet yeah, Ballet because yeah. I was like I think this is like my 11th or 12th Sukumoto movie I like I genuinely and- love him. Like That's gonna incredible. color it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that'll color your viewing experience for sure. Um but if you go into it expecting to like a standard kind of like sort of kid adjacent like J um creature for feature, there's all kinds of wacky wild shit happening here. Um <laughs> but both both yeah, both I, I can definitely see that that point of view as well. For me, it just works so well. Um and I love the characters so much and I it feels like a Herge, like a Tin Tin comic. But with <laughs> brutal decapitations to me, um, <laughs> yeah. so I have no cho- no choice but to love it, and all the you know practical effects monsters and everything.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that's going to wrap it up for uh, Hiroko the Goblin. We're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about more children being tortured <laughs> by practical creatures in a movie called Haunted School. <laughs> Stick
0: around. <laughs>
1: Alright, we are back and we are talking about haunted school aka uh, school ghost stories which is a pretty literal title <laughs> <Yeah>. um the <laughs> yeah. it is a uh, 1995 uh japanese supernatural horror film directed by one uh hideyuki uh, hirayama and written by satoko okudera um now, I have to ask you, Trevor, because there's not a whole lot of information about either of these two really out there. What's your familiarity level with these filmmakers? Or was this just one that you like? You heard it on reputation because this is one that's actually not that seen. It's not that widely available. So yeah. maybe tell us like your your first time watching this.
0: Um, I saw Haruko the Goblin and it was I saw it being discussed in the same circles as Haruko um, because it travels a lot of the same ground and, and it you know, it feels similar. Hmm. I'm not familiar with the director at all. That's
1: tell me, is this is this um, like the horror forums? Like, how, like what are we talking about? Where, where, oh, we seeing this discussed
0: just okay. like on film Twitter <laughs> through like different different people. It might have been there's a guy I follow on Twitter who is uh, Christian V. I think his name is um, mm. I have to look it up. But anyway, he, he I think he was talking about it someday. Or maybe David Sodergren, who's an amazing horror author who highlights a lot of really um, deep cut films. One of those two mm. anyway, and uh it's not available. I, I've been uh, petitioning like Arrow Video or Shout Factory or somebody to get the rights to these films, because not only is it there's four of them, it's a whole quadrilogy of spooky ghost stories. And yeah, these um, must have uh, been
1: popular in Japan, I'm guessing, if they had enough market yeah. where they were like, let's keep making more of them. And he directed and apparently four, right?
0: uh, I think he did the first two and then other directors did three and four. I'm not entirely oh, okay. sure. Um, but apparently, like, I've only seen the first one because that's the only he, one. That he did number four as well.
1: Wow. No, he did. So, oh, okay. so he, he yeah, might yeah. have just skipped the third one.
2: OK. OK. Wow. Um,
0: but yeah, the only one with re- reliable subtitles that you can find um, because it's not conventionally available anywhere is the first mm. one. So it's the only one I've seen. But by all for all intents and purposes, the second, third and fourth one are is equally packed with ghouls and ghosts and cool, spooky set pieces. And I would love to see them. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, and and I would assume you know, if it was done by the same director, it'd, it'd have a yeah. similar competency. You know, like it like oh, this yeah. is a, it's well made. So
0: it is, yeah. And I've heard that uh, you know two, three, and four are as good or better. Like there's not really a dip. Um, cool. And, and I'm yeah, just the, on the third that one is yeah. done
2: by
1: one of the Gamera filmmakers.
0: Oh, oh my god, it's gonna be incredible! Yeah, um, yeah,
1: the the sh- Shisuku Keneko.
0: Oh, okay. so every day I hope. I hope for it's one of my big like top four. Uh, movies that I want to see get a big, stupid, boutique, fancy Blu-ray. Shout release. Factory,
1: Haunted School, uh, one through four release makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Get on it.
0: Yeah, or or Arrow Video <laughs> or Severin or or any of those guys. It feels anyway. like an Arrow Video or, or a uh, Shout Factory type thing to me. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't. I don't know if there's any legal means of seeing this movie right now, and that's honestly a huge crying shame because it's it's very 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 fun and very. It's great, such a good time. Yeah, I yeah, well, and and, and I, I wonder if
1: part of it is just the fact that it it's clear the director doesn't have like a kind of you know an oturist an following of anyone being like, hey, we should restore this guy's work like the same way with Tsukamoto. He has so much stuff like like Hiroko the Goblin is now available on Blu-ray because so many people have you know ingested so much of his work at that point arrow has put out a really nice like you know eight film collection for him and stuff and I'm, I'm just wondering yeah. if this guy got lost because like even his second biggest movie is like I'm um, a, a, a 90s drama called begging for love out of Japan that I don't know a single person who's seen this yeah. which is rare I follow a lot of people who dumpster dive and trash dive or even just look for underseen films in general and I don't have a single mutual who has like seen this or even marked it as like like on their watch list or anything so it's like it, it is strange that you know we're talking about a filmmaker who you know his work quite literally doesn't appear to exist outside of Japan except for Haunted School which is exclusively in the realm of you know sort of like pirate sharing um right but but clearly these movies were big enough to get four of them made and there is something here to them and I and I, I do wonder if part of it is uh because I, I couldn't find much information about this guy this is normally the part of the of, of the section of the podcast where i would be like here's the biography of this guy i was like i have no fucking idea i could not find translated uh stuff with regard to this guy
2: and uh satoku he seems respected Ode- that's like all i could really find like he won the directors guild of japan new directors award yeah. uh it seems like he's won a, a few other awards as well so it's like he's he's very respected but yeah there's like nothing on the guy yeah, and
1: then, and then his writer, Satoku Okudera, who uh, is, is someone who's a, is a little bit more familiar with just because she uh, is well-known for her writing collaborations uh, with uh, Mamoru Hosada and the, mm. the anime films that, that he does. So she uh, uh, wrote The Girl Who Leapt Through Time uh, and also wrote uh, Wolf Children, which people mm, yeah. might be a little bit more um, familiar with. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. And then other than that, the only other people who worked on this that I was like even slightly familiar with, uh, the editor worked on Evil Dead Trap, which is an incredible Japanese horror film that we talked about this year. Um, Definitely a movie that if you liked what we talked about today, that is like the grimmest, most disturbing version of that kind of movie (laughs) (laughs) that we've talked about. And uh, also the the, uh, production designer for this. Uh, Which I want to give a special shout out to because I think that if there's anything I really loved about this movie, actually, it was the production design. Um, It was uh, Hideo Nakata's production designer on Dark Water. Um, Oh, this makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the same vibe. Absolutely.
1: Totally. Yeah, uh, but 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 I'm assuming most people won't have seen this, so we will give the the the, the quick log line here, which is that uh, it, it is essentially about a uh, bunch of kids who uh, have to spend one long evening in the abandoned wing of their elementary school. I do like too that this is like not even like high school kids or middle school. Yeah, it's like literally fifth elementary. Grade, school I think kids. Is the
2: oldest that they are. So yeah. Yeah, that, that I really
1: in, enjoyed about this. And there's rumors that this wing has been haunted, but no one's really sure about it. And at, one, uh, at, at a certain point, one of the second grade girls goes missing in it and the classmates kind of go looking for her and they end up trapped inside where they go through a series of what I'm going to call like, uh, a, a Japanese poltergeist slash goosebumps set pieces yeah. <laughs> where they just mm-hmm. run into yeah. the
0: it's various creatures
1: and ghosts and ghouls. They just keep and, throwing
0: them on top like you'll run into one cool like beautifully realized practical effect puppet and the next scene you'll have like a, anatomy dummies coming to life and all their guts are falling out and then the next scene the slipmouth mouth woman shows up you know it's unrelenting. Yeah, yeah. That was
2: one thing I, I really did like once it starts getting in all the horror stuff is it, it has an no no rules really it's just like you're in a haunted yeah. location and these spirits demons whatever <laughs> ghosts and ghoulies
1: gonna, ensue you know it's yeah, like it's a feel like yeah, what they wrote in the script with with a little bit what, whatever <laughs>
2: they want these spirits are just like we've got creative ideas and we're gonna scare these kids in different yeah. ways like there's even at a certain point <laughs> there's like a floating red beast guy that just pops up and he's almost like he's almost yeah, just playing Slider. pranks the whole time yeah so it's it's uh it's very funny to go from that to the the big you know the the giant mouthed woman and then to hands and it's it's all over the place but in a very it's fun all kinds way. of stuff
0: yeah it definitely feels like you know uh, a haunted house ride it feels
2: yes like, like a, totally. I, think the,
0: I think this the subgenre is lovingly referred to as spookablast it's a spookablast okay. film <laughs> nice that's like what that. I've heard before uh, where they just like throw in ghoulies at you
2: it does uh, kind of no, make right. sense too with just how like. It, it, with the title, like we said, it's like it's very to the point. It's the same thing with the the rules of of the ghosts themselves. They're just like, no, this is just a haunted school in general, yeah. just haunted.
0: <laughs> it's what it says on the tin. It's exactly what you, know, you get a haunted school. Yeah. You get a haunted school in this movie.
2: Exactly. Yeah, multiple <laughs> ghost
0: was,
1: stories. It, basically, it was funny too because I, I watched this uh, uh, today and and last night I watched uh, the 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 local Toronto Grindhouse here. Um, was uh, playing a 35 millimeter print of that film One Dark Night from 1982. The, by the mm, I like that, that movie Jason a lot. Lives. Yeah. and yeah, you know, I had I had a good time with it last night. But part of what you just said reminded me of it, where it just it kind of feels like a uh, you know like like more like a ride or like walking into like a like a spooky haunted house thing, and there Absolutely. there is a. You know, uh with One Dark Knight specifically, you could say that there's like you know, there's kind of a lot of like the the talking and waiting in line portion of of that <laughs> experience. And then yeah. when it gets to the actual like haunted mausoleum where you have a psychic vampire reanimating all the corpses of the like mausoleum, basically straight out of like phantasm. And it's basically just a bunch of corpses just start falling on people and shit. And there is something yeah. funny about like, that some movies are just made for that experience where you're just walking through it and like, oh, here's another thing. And and one thing I'll say is that it, it actually compares favorably Haunted School does, I think, to One Dark Night because of the sheer visual imagination of what those, you know, yes. sort of like Halloween prank style set pieces end up actually looking like. I, I think there's a lot of visual strangeness and imagination on display in this that I was uh, pretty pleased with once it jumps into the spooky mode. I did feel there was a, a little bit of repetition in order to kind of get you there. It is a lot yeah, of like yeah, elementary totally. school kids get stuck in, an, in a in a school and they yes, walk around yeah. the various places. And at a certain point, what I was getting out of it was I was like, wow, really nice production design. Whoever like put all that dust and cobwebs and fucking stains everywhere. Like they did a really good job making the school look like the most like the filthiest, most abandoned school you've ever seen, which also led to one great rec- Gag that I loved which is both of these films I said at the top have janitors um, yeah. There's one gag in this Film where the, there's like a janitor who we Eventually find out actually is also A ghost uh, although I do like the reveal that At first the kids just think he's a normal janitor Working in the abandoned wing which why yeah. Would that be the case but when the <laughs> teacher Eventually comes up to him and is like oh Shit you're a like I remember You like when I was a kid like you know You know like he, he's been a, a he was A janitor a long time ago mm-hmm. and the fact that he just gets so pissed off trying to clean that place up the whole time he's like man who got who spilled this here who put this dirt here yeah. like all yeah. that and i'm like dude that you're not going to clean that place up
2: it's fucking disgusting <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite moments too is when the, i think it's when he's introduced uh, to the kids and they have a you know a fairly normal uh conversation or whatever. And then, and then he leaves and all the lights go off or whatever. And after that, they can't find him. They decide to just pee in the hallway. Um, and, yeah. and then later on <laughs> when, by the time, he's like, you already know he's like a ghost kind of demon thing. And he starts like just screaming at them. And then, you know, it was kind of a transformation, which we'll get to and everything. But, yeah. um, it, I did love that there was like this, uh, kind of little kid mischief, um and then like a punishment that's kind of coming from this the spirits themselves um it's not always the case a lot of the cases just them getting lost and then going into a scary room or something but there's every once in a while there's something where they do an action and then the spirit directly kind of uh goes after them for it and that one is a funny one yeah
0: yeah i love that. this one is more thoroughly
2: silly spooky vibes right yeah
0: yeah oh oh, very much this one's way closer to uh to an actual kids film what uh, i will tons s- of cool puppets
2: yeah and what i will say though is some of the scares once they get there aren't things that i would traditionally say would, would be in a in a in a kids movie at least in like a western kids movie um like the 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 scene where there's a scene where there's a bunch of like hands that reach out from uh from a from the floor and then consume the kid like grab him and take him into the floor and everything that's yeah, like one of that. the
1: best images in the movie.
2: yeah, it's fantastic and there, there's like yeah. a, a, a the uh, the ghost girl that has the big you know smile the creepy demon smile and everything it's genuinely kind of yeah. terrifying to look at and I could imagine if I was fucking 10 years old this would really put me out for a couple nights
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they don't hold back on the creatures. And that's important. Yeah. I think that more gateway horror and stuff for kids, I think it's very important um, to have stakes. And like, yes. if you walk back your antagonists or your threat, kids will feel pandered to or like talked down to or what they'll feel the watering down happening and they'll feel like you're being condescending, I think.
2: Yeah. No, totally. Totally. I think there's like there's an adventure, especially, you know, when you're younger, I'm sure you guys can remember uh, uh, watching something that just pushes the boundaries a little more than you're used to. It just you feel excited uh, about that, especially young. Um, you're just kind of like there's that moment where you go, you know, you're almost looking around like, am I supposed to be watching this? And that's always yeah, exciting. Yeah. And this movie yeah, has I've, a ton I've of. I brought that. it up a
1: couple times on this show, but I think my experience was still child's play because I th- totally. it had a scary doll in it, and I was like, well, it's about a kid. It's about a kid and his toy like that. Like I should be a, like, it's a horror film, but like I should be allowed to watch that. And I watched <laughs> it. And I, was, I had like nightmares about the fucking Chucky yeah. doll. I was like, this is. Oh <laughs>
2: totally, <boy." laughs> mine was um, mine was it uh and it was just oh, like wow. uh, cuz it was the sewer and the the mix of clown and sewer and then every time i went to the bathroom i was like this guy's going to reach up into my butt i don't want this at all <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, for me it was it yeah but, and,
1: and, and we've talked about a couple movies i think that exploit that balance like really really well like one one example we did, we talked about i think maybe a year ago we did that movie the gate the, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. From 1987 from yeah, 19- yeah, yeah. with a little baby Stephen Dorff in it. Yeah. But that's one of those ones where like the actual horror sequences are pretty like graphic, like when the, his dad's head just like falls off right in front of him or, oh, you know, some of the actual creature effects are like borderline Italian horror or I mean, speaking of which, I already mentioned it, but like Phantasm. That oh, I think yeah. is maybe the best example of this kind of movie, where like it's clearly a story about a kid's experience, and it could be kind of watched and enjoyed by by you know someone of of a, a little bit of a younger age, but it is genuinely creepy enough to actually freak them out. Like that is mm-hmm. pra- like Phantasm is basically in terms of sequencing, it is like a Fulci movie about teaching kids the concept of mortality. Um, yeah. And yeah I so love
0: it I love Phantasm because it's definitely it feels like you can read the entire film as a kid dealing with the death of his parents uh, specifically yep. after he just finished w- reading the book Dune because there's so many scenes that are just ripped right from Dune uh, <laughs> it's so true but yeah no it's yeah absolutely I agree
1: I because I I, I I remember too when we talked about Phantasm we were like yeah he puts the hand in the box and everything like yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. come on man yeah, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> totally, yeah <laughs>
2: And I, I, think like yeah. this, this film, the tone setting is really fun, and I think it does it perfectly because you're, you're going to have that balance of the, the the kind of child innocence that comes with the the, the horror, and then also, um, uh, it's gonna, it, it kind of explains the beats that the suspense is actually still going to be built into it and well done. Uh, they they kind of they introduce the movie. Uh, in a in, in a dark school, and there's one teacher left uh, f- for the night, and he keeps getting yeah, these stormy, phone calls. spooky
1: phone call, and almost like yeah. a Twin Peaks sounding synths. But then, totally. what if they turned into like a Danny
2: Elfman score? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I had the same uh, that same kind of note where I I instantly thought of Twin Peaks because it has those really soft synths that you hear in the introduction. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and it, it d- really they holds have them it throughout. But then they also have what I was talking about with. Um, uh, with uh, anyway, as soon as we're done talking about it, it, just blanks my mind. What did we just talk about? <laughs> Gosh, you have this problem too. Don't be making fun of me. I, what, I, what? No, I know. But I'm my my issue You're is blanking. that I'm Hiroko the I, Goblin. That's what it was. Hiroko the yeah, Goblin. Yeah, Look course. at us go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I've. I feel like I forgot my point, what my point even was after that little. Uh, we
1: were talking about the Danny Elfman style music. All of a Oh, sudden. right.
2: And, and it has that in Hiroko the Goblin where um, it kind of has these like very beautiful sweeping orchestral stuff. But in this, it has that mix where it has it orchestral. But then it goes into this uh, almost, I don't know, it's dreamy synth like stuff that I think you're right. It was like Twin Peaks.
1: Hmm. Well, and, yeah, well, and but but done in also this like again sort of like spooky silly like Halloween movie kind of vibe thing too, where it's like the man is attacked
2: by a floating watermelon jack o' lantern.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So good>. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it reminded me of um, it was well, I guess no, this one's more of a conventional like like it, it turns into a really adult horror film, but there's these little things that feel childish because it's still Halloween, which is that movie Trick or Treat. Um, mm. but uh, but yeah, I I love this introduction where it turned into like a watermelon pumpkin thing. I thought it was really cute and still worked well with how the rest of the film. Like building and, its and tone. it kind of sets yeah.
1: you up for some of the unreality of some of the effects work too, where it is like. You know, it's, it's a, a little bit of some early digital uh, augmentation being put in there. There's a little bit of green screen and compositing work that they're doing to achieve the effects. And then there's also, you know, these very more traditional gooey, goopy kind of practical effects when we actually meet the various, you know, sort of uh, diversity of, of 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 ghouls that we're going to run into over the course of this evening with this uh with the elementary school kids. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But it it, 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 it it sets you up well to prepare yourself for the kinds of ambitious imagery they're going to try to pull off. Because I think some people might go, you know, some of the effects aren't like the strongest effects you've ever seen or anything like that. But I think that there is a, a really great like energy to the visuals that they're trying to pull off. And even if there's you, you can (sighs) see the seams on a couple of them. I found them incredibly charming, even when they were doing that, like even stuff where like you can tell the kids are on like a composited, um you know uh, uh, they're they're in a frame that's clearly composited but like you can see the giant foot chasing behind them and stuff like that (laughs) like i don't care that that seems kind of goofy it's like there is a certain like man they really pulled that shot off you know yeah and and there's there's a lot of this when it actually gets into the set piece mode it takes a little bit i think to get into the eventual set pieces there's a lot of time spent with the kids on like the last day before summer vacation just kind of like figuring out what's happening and because you've seen a movie like this you're you're a little bit of is is you wait, waiting for the kids to kind of catch up to where you are where you're like yeah that school's haunted man there's ghosts in there there's bloody handprints right. on the ceiling there's like an eerie floating soccer ball that the girl has to <laughs> uh, you know follow at one point the uh, you know obviously too they set up some things like a statue gets broken and the kids are playing near it and like did that unleash some evil spirits yeah. by the end of the film do we you seal that in order to put there's, them back in. Like there's there's stuff in here you're pretty familiar with, I think. But again they do also set up some pretty cool stuff like when they briefly show you the abandoned wing of the school and they show you the shot of the dissected frogs for example and the fish and like the biology lab and stuff that they start moving yeah Um, it's it's done in this very low-key way that you're like oh man I hope when we come back to the biology lab it's gonna be fucking sick and I'll tell you it is fucking sick one of the (laughs) craziest things in this movie is the one that Trevor already alluded to the, uh, the anatomical model in the biology lab where it has as oh, like- yeah. this guy literally comes to life but he has like clearly some sort of like suit or mask on that makes him just look like a giant doll but then he has actual gooey organs that are just like hanging out of him and shit
2: that the kids are just like running from his intestines are basically just drooping out of him and it's it's pretty awesome and I do wish um, because they have this little introduction where the kids are kind of you know they're scaring each other and they're in the haunted school and someone's looking for the girl but then two other guys are just kind of walking around and being mischievous and everything but he has a uh, one of them carries around the fake skeleton diagram that is in the science class for a little bit of it Um, and I was kind of hoping that he would after seeing that reveal of the the anatomy uh, model I was kind of hoping that that's the thing that he was also carrying around the whole time so when it transforms it becomes like it's something that he had around him the whole time. There's, I think it would just added a little bit of a creep factor to it. But uh, yeah. But there is um, some really like awesome stuff in here. But then it, it it does fight a little bit with its conventional stuff that, like you were saying, Josh, we already are kind of aware of, and we know what's going to happen in that sense. We just know these beats, right? You've seen the movie before, in a sense. Um, like one of them is where the, they always introduce the one ghost girl spirit as a girl in a red dress. And then eventually there's this, um, girl that appears and she appears more normal. I think she's like a sixth grader or whatever. And she's just dressed in red and she kind of comes out of nowhere. And right away, I think if you've seen any movie like this, your brain's going to be like, Oh, ghost girl. You know, like that's the reveal here, and if sure <laughs> enough that is what that is what happens, and and one of the boys is kind of you know falling for her and stuff, and I do think that there is a lot of. Uh uh, you know cute innocence there that I really do enjoy um, And it, yeah do you know well what? weirdly enough I was actually taken up, so.
1: I was I was taken by it I did not spot charming. that one as it's early but that was yeah. only because I I knew right away that the janitor was I didn't expect them to do it
2: twice <laughs> oh okay I got you yeah totally I yeah. can get that and it's not even like it didn't bother me by any means because I still think that they have a lot of cute moments and I think him yeah the, the, the actual moment where her. they
1: reveal that she's the ghost I think they actually handle pretty well where, where all yeah. the Kids are going back to safety, and she's like, "I can't go with you." Like, I was just kind of being a helpful spirit, and I, you know, like I, I I do like that moment in the film. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean.
2: Yeah, and I think even in that moment, since it didn't like the reveal, doesn't surprise me. I think for his character, it still really works well. Like, just the reveal for him, I I think works. Him trying to grab onto her, you know, goes through her body and everything like that, and then we'll get to the finale, of course. But. Um, this, is, this
1: is the double feature of guys who have crushes on uh, the older girls at their school who yeah, are dead. Yeah. are dead, unfortunately. Double
2: feature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even more difficult to pull off. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, um, but yeah, so besides a few things like that, um, that still end up working, really. Uh, it uh, For the most part, it really did work for me. Um, it's just I agree yeah. that like the first 30, 45 minutes before things start to really kick into gear are a little bit too conventional just for how many films we've seen over the years. And and, and,
1: and even the stuff that they do, that's conventional. I think they find some silly jokes to kind of throw in there that I kind of enjoy. Like I did like the one kid who's like obsessed with like magic or the occult or whatever, who's Mm -hmm. like drawing small little pentagram and like chalk or whatever. And they, they, they set that up early on that he's drawing like the spell, the, the summoning circle or whatever. And then at a certain point they're like, this is a way bigger haunting than I expect. He's like the one kid who actually like believed that it was haunted or whatever. And so he's trying to get ahead of it. And then at a certain point he realizes how haunted it is. And he goes, oh shit, I need a way bigger fucking summoning circle, man. I'm going to need to take the soccer field. I'm going to need to get some people to help me draw this one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that is funny. I do, I do like that overall thing though. Him, him building the circle, reading the book, getting the uh, the cyclists to help him eventually. Um, That's a
1: good gag too. Just like a, like a, like yeah. a,
2: the, the woman who has a bunch of cycling friends.
1: Like, all right, <laughs> yeah. let's get them all, and we'll look for this broken statue somewhere on the property to get back. And I love to that they, you
0: to, they need to do a giant uh, uh, circle around the school, so they're using the um the the line for football fields. The oh, the, right. the dispenser of oh, right. the <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's and really cool too cuz you've seen that before.
2: You'll have like the uh the, all the hauntings that are going on in the school and it's like very, you know, it's it's kind of scary and and uh, exciting. And then they'll cut to the kid that's outside just like trying his best to build this this summoning circle so that he can yeah. save <laughs> his friends, but it's a little more calm in, in the just in the sense of energy there. Um and I I thought it was great. It actually worked really well. It was kind of uh comedic in a sense. Um, Another thing, though, that works really well and I thought was kind of scary to think about um, was when they start to really go deep into the into the haunted school and you know they start getting separated more and the school starts to give them these uh, illusions of themselves where it's like they'll um two characters will walk into a into a door and then that door will close and it'll show the two characters that they were also with kind of like laughing or pointing at them and then leaving and they think like oh they're pulling a prank on me or they've they're being mean or whatever it is and then they'll cut to the other two characters And they're like banging on the door on the other side. Like they have no idea what's just happened. So they're kind of giving them these false uh, sights of things that are happening, but they're not. And I thought that that was a really cool idea and kind of terrifying. Yeah, Absolute. characters
1: playing pranks on people is always uh, always fun. I did like when they were carrying around the giant like prop skeleton in this, oh, yeah. Yeah. and they just like hurl hurl it down the stairs at one of the kids, and they're like you're <laughs> a fucking idiot to be scared yeah. of it. There's no there's the, the yeah there's no fucking dead people or ghosts in here, you idiot. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> cut to a 50 you moron, <laughs> <foot> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To a fifty foot ghost <laughs> chasing them down the hallway. That one was one of my favorites. I know we talked about it a little bit, but I uh, I thought it was incredibly well done um it it just the use of because it's really dark and so they they put a lot of the giant footsteps in the shadows so you you see the kids running in the in the foreground and then these big steps just coming out of the darkness in the background and for the most part it seems pretty seamless yeah
0: yeah it's a great effect yeah that's such a good moment god i love that
2: Yeah, that's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie because it's such a weird – it's a very unconventional ghost sighting. Like, you know, the other ones, although they're scary, you've seen something the same or kind of similar to it, but just having a big, giant, 100-foot ghost walking the hallways, and it doesn't even make sense – Like logistically the building is like 20 feet tall and this shin itself is 30 feet tall so it, it just yeah. like it doesn't make any sense and that kind yeah, of you're, you're just watching
1: the... a giant sandal like almost step on <laughs> yeah. fifth graders
2: ultimately <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so strange <laughs> yeah. but i i really liked it i loved that imagery
0: and most movies would have that once, but I think he even comes back again later in, mm-hmm. in an equally improbable scenario or, or, or setting. Yeah. Um, his whole yeah, his it's, whole it's,
2: face takes up a, a door frame that one of the boys is kind of trying to hide from him. It's yeah. it's really cool, but again, it makes no sense, and that it, it, it yeah. dives into this thing even where better. it's like they're they're the, the school itself becomes this almost maze there's no moment in the movie where it even tries to make it seem like you know where each person is in the school it just becomes like a labyrinth of hauntings basically yeah, well,
1: and, and they yeah. and they run from room to closet to hallway, yeah. And they just keep running into like another one. You know, every once in a while they'll just be like, "Oh, here's the floating pink like Slimer from Ghostbusters monkey yeah. monster who <laughs> just no like reason. starts fucking playing pranks."
2: <laughs> yeah, he's funny as hell too because he's always in the background of characters. Like three of them will look at the at, look at him and point, but then he's mocking the other one behind him. He he reminded me of. Uh, I think you actually said it already. It was the Ghostbusters ghost. Yeah, the slimer yeah. Yeah, guy. Slime yeah, he's functionally
1: yeah. he's very similar. <laughs> yeah,
2: at one of I, the, I, I think the. Sorry, go
1: ahead. sorry go,
0: ahead. I go ahead. I was gonna say I I think he comes back in the sequels, but like he's CG and he's he's like not that cool puppet oh, okay. anymore, unfortunately, uh, which is a shame. Yeah, oh. they do
2: like uh, what do they do? How did they do it in this? Is it like compositing with um stop yeah, motion or something like that? Okay. Oh, I it's think it's a, okay, a hand gotcha. puppet
0: being composited into the into the background with, like, those Yeah, I, I
1: think they shot a separate layer so that they could do some light uh, effects on it on top of the oh, other he's stuff. It was glowing red and
2: everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really do like the, uh, cause at first he's just kind of a little shit. Like he just appears and then it almost, it, he doesn't do it, but it almost, he has this energy. He doesn't actually like do anything. He just, he just like
1: scares everyone and goes, ha ha. Like, yeah, he, has
2: this, he doesn't do it, but he has this energy that he, every time he's popping up, he's flipping everybody off and just laughing. It's, that's that kind of vibe. And then eventually once they get into a, a classroom with him, he, he does have a cool scene where he's put all the desks, and the chairs on the ceiling, and then just starts dropping them. On honestly,
1: <laughs> honestly though, great prank. So great sick. prank. I mean, like awesome after prank. we did that episode on frauds, where we were like, these are questionable pranks. Like Phil <laughs> yeah. Collins, these aren't really pranks. It's, it's just, just Phil homicide. Collins being an asshole. There's not that much effort being put into this. That one guy, like, there's a there, for anyone who didn't hear that episode, there's a prank in frauds that's just some guy committing a home invasion, <laughs> and then the woman kills the him and, and he goes and and yeah and he goes what you can't like take a joke and and even the judge is like D- that wasn't a very good prank like yeah, you was- just <laughs> invaded her home and threatened to kill her like that it she wasn't really innocent, you, you know dude, a
2: bad prank
1: yeah, by, by by contrast, this guy's got actual prank energy. Like all oh, of a sudden yeah. you're walking into a classroom and all of the fluorescent lights are on the floor and all the desks are on the ceiling and you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck? And sp- again, speaking of the production design, like the production design of this movie I think is really, really great. And what a fantastic mm-hmm. little, uh, you know, like room that they have to experience. And then when everything starts to like fall on them and shit, it's great.
2: Yeah, and then they even do a cool uh, little trick where... <clears throat> They have like two of the desks in the frame of the camera at a certain point when they're hiding on the ground and kind of hurtled up to protect themselves. And they have the two desks. Um, I'm assuming they're like on strings or something, but outside of the camera's view. And they actually stop midair uh, so that they can be like, are we calm? Are we calm? And then he drops them once again just to finalize the prank a little bit. But I, I, yeah. they do it practically in camera. And I thought that that was just awesome. It's such a fun oh, yeah. movie. Not- I think that's the thing. Like it, it, it does. Um, I mean, not not that Hiroko isn't, but it's just in a different way because you have all the like gushing blood and all of this. This one is just seeing all these little ghost ideas that the kids have to deal with is is pretty endlessly entertaining. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it is genuinely very imaginative once it actually yeah. gets on the roll that it's going. Like, again, the the switch immediately from, like, the giant ghost to the uh, anatomical model in the biology lab that's actually, mm-hmm. like, hunting them down. And, like, and, and really quickly, it's moving on to, you know, the stop-motion claymation hands that are, like, reaching up at this kid like a sea of, like, foggy, like, zombie hands. You know, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then one of my favorites was the uh, the ghostly uh, string orchestra oh. yeah. that they play at, at, at one point and great use of obviously the shrieking violins that the ghosts are playing as score because yeah. you're actually hearing that music before they even appear yeah. and you're just like oh this is just the score for the movie and then all of a sudden you actually get the band slowly start to like glow green in the background they almost look like in uh, Return of the King the, uh, the dead totally. army uh, they, yeah, they yeah. kind of they, they they appear in, like, that very greenish, ghostly form, and you even get the conductor turning around and doing this, like, zombie-like, disgusting grin in the direction of the kids, and they start, like, freaking out and running to the next room. And, like, so, like, every single scene at this point is just a series of, like, we run to the next room, there's a ghost in there. We run to the next room, there's a ghost in there. And yeah. on some level, you need, like, like, that's a very repetitive concept, and part of me thinks that, They maybe could have by by the end, they maybe could have came up with a couple others. But if you're Mm going to do that kind of repetition, like you need to have and I think this film does successfully have. Like a actual diversity of the amounts of things that you see and the forms you see them in, and 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 the way that the set pieces actually behave. Like one is like a guy chasing you around like a zombie. Another one is just like a really creepy, you know, disturbing image. The other one is like actually like more of like an apocalyptic image of like a giant foot is going to crush the entire building. Like they 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 constantly
2: eventually with the janitor. Like he becomes a giant. That's right. Yeah, that's the closest thing.
1: That's the closest thing to obviously Haruko the Goblin is that the janitor straight up. Uh, again which I think is really well detailed throughout where it's like the janitor is actually a ghost because the only person who recognizes him is the teacher who's like yeah you were the janitor when I was in school and then all of a sudden he's like vomiting up and a giant entire hairy spider out of his mouth and he's like oh whoops like put that back in there <laughs> like men in black style almost yeah and then And then he starts growing his own, like, pincers and hair and slime and literally starts chasing them around like this, like, grotesque, like, half-arachnid, like, Resident Evil monster form or something. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, You know
2: what? Resident Evil, I think, is the, the thing that came to my mind because... Although there's a more, it's like you can understand the anatomy a little bit of what's happening in Haruka the Goblin. This thing, look in this, the janitor looks just like nonsense. Like there's there's definitely like a, a little bit <laughs> yeah. of spider inspiration and crab and stuff like that. But it, when you really look into it, there's it, it really is just ugly. Like that's that's kind of the yeah. design. It's just like chaos, chaos, random ugliness. Um, and yeah. I and I do just- love that he starts to turn into like. Uh, more of a physical threat than the rest of the things like not that they aren't it's just that this one he's more aggressive like he's screaming at them and sprinting and going like don't run in the halls and stuff like that
0: yeah Um, he also has uh, like my favorite piece of imagery in the entire movie which is his glasses fall off and his eyes are like on the outside of the glasses and they have these actual like they actually physically made these latex eyes that blink on the front of the glasses on the ground it's yeah, because really the kid
1: the, the the kid has to step on them at one point, yeah, right? Yeah, like, he yeah, he swishes yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. It's uh, sweet it's so too because they
2: cut back to him after he's lost the the glasses, and then it shows like empty eye sockets in his eyes. And it's really the only yeah. thing in that face at that point that looks human, and now it doesn't anymore either. So it's uh I, I love the it's kind of similar again with the evolution of the goblins in in Haruku but I love the evolution of this janitor just he's slow he gets slowly more turned into a grotesque monster
0: yeah and a lot of movies could just have that like beautiful practical effects janitor transformation into the cockroach or whatever Mm -hmm. and like they would just let the whole movie rest on that and you could do that easily but it has so much on top of that like the various ghosts and like the giant like we've talked about a lot even all the way to like, I think there's a part where they go to a classroom and the 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 classroom is flipped, so they're walking on the ceiling and all the desks yeah. are on the.
2: That's oh so yeah, that good. was with like, the with the uh, the red uh, ghost guy, the poltergeist. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And prank. like, you could you could easily do a handful of of these things or one or two, and like the movie would function exactly the same. You could probably get away with it. It wouldn't have the variety that is so intrinsic and and, and well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you could do it. It would be serviceable, but like it really feel, you can feel the love into each of these like handcrafted set pieces and monsters and puppets and all that behind the scenes. Like it really comes through and that's why the movie sings and that's why it works. I think at all.
2: Yeah. And there's this, um, I write, like, I like when the kids also start to, cause a lot of it is just them, you know, they're taking in everything. They're getting attacked they're Some of them are getting pulled into the, to the. The void or hell or whatever it is. Um, yeah. and eventually they f- start to actually fight back, and it's it's really cool. They, they the way that they like electrocute the crab guy, for instance, is they get it, like a wire together and hook it up to the fence that he's touching, and then it like starts to electrocute him. And he, you know, at the last <coughs> second, he lets go of the kid and all that. It's just, um, yeah, there, there's some exciting beats once it gets into the action, it becomes almost less. Horror when the kids decide to fight back, um, and it becomes more of like this Goonies thing in a way. Um, yeah, so yeah, a that, bit. yeah, so that was that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that too. Well, and that, and and that's the big climax, right? Is that
1: eventually, like the janitor kind of chases them through all the remaining set pieces. Like he chases them into that room that's upside down, and then they do this whole thing where the kid is trying to, you know, form the magic circle, and mm-hmm. at one point the paper like turns into like a butterfly or something. I, I was actually starting to lose track a little bit of what they were doing at a certain yeah, point, but I was like, and I, I think, I, I think they're trying to just, you know, uh, you know, seal this evil spirit back into its, uh, in, into its little jar. Uh, eventually which yeah. we've been talking about where, you know, the, the little kids getting the bikers to go and round it up and they're, you know, trying to do this whole thing. And the, uh, The actual chasing through the school is basically the entire climax of the film. But the school is starting to like collapse at that point. You can see like wires and like pieces of like fencing coming through, and Mm -hmm. the whole thing is like again the production design is really fantastic. While the school is like falling apart and everything like that, and it does conclude in like way more so I guess than I think you could say of Hiroko in more of like a like a cutesy kids adventure movie kind of fashion. As I think Jamie, you were just referring to like where it goes very Goonie style, where they do actually get the circle going on the field they get a bunch of bikers around to find the statue the kids make their way out by like uh, doing this thing I think that's actually pretty visually cool uh, which is that they the school ends up on the edge of a pit like a really really dark like like, it's almost like something Yeah, the the shot I've always loved at the end of that one Robert Rodriguez movie that's so much better than the rest of the movie is. (laughs) Why am I blanking (laughs) on what it is? The one with the vampire bar. Oh, um, from Duskledon.
0: Where yeah, they, I've they back al- out at the end, and it's a big Aztec temple. Matt. Payton, yeah, I've always
1: yeah. like 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 I I like that movie, but there's always been something to me about like the that like ancient horror image finale where there is like the the temple and then also like a giant hole as well. Where I've always just been like, man. I, what would that movie be like? And, yeah. you know, so I, I always like when there's like this big, uh, you know, sort of like a void, like ancient mm-hmm. thing happening here. And the fact that the kids have to like kind of be brave enough to like throw themselves into it in order yeah. to get back to the, to, to the, you know, outside the school and everything like that. And it does it actually in this pretty well directed way, in my opinion, where, They jump into the hole. The teacher takes the one kid in. They all go in one at a time. Obviously, they also have that emotional beat where they find out the one sixth grade girl who's been helping them the whole time is a ghost and can't jump in with her. So they're going to have to leave her behind with all of these horrible spirits. Uh, mm-hmm. So the one kid's a little sad about that. But when they jump through into the hole, they come out the other side, like just in the swimming pool. But it's done in this like slow-mo. They actually land in the swimming pool and they make their way out. And yeah, there, yeah. there's something about the return to the normalcy of, of of the kids and like the rebirth imagery there that I, I found uh, mm. pretty effective.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I also love the way that they show the... Um the initial dive into the pool from the void jump where it shows underwater completely and it actually feels really deep uh, the way that they're falling into it. And then they get out and the camera cuts uh, from that shot to them um, outside the water or above the water. And they're standing just like it's three feet of water or something like that. And so it's just cool. Mm-hmm. It kind of catches them in like a different place and then brings them back to the swimming pool. Yeah, like it, to- it totally
1: bends the physics of the world, yeah. what they've done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes,
2: totally. And then uh, before that, too, just as they're falling and it, as it's cutting back and forth between the, the kid doing the circle and them falling, it's actually pretty trippy. They have a lot of like really bright lights going on and the earth is uh, like there's an earthquake going on, too. So there's a little bit of shaking and just a lot of of screaming obviously and and some really like um I can't exactly remember if there's a score but there's a lot of just uh, atmospheric sounds going on it's honestly very exciting to watch It's a very cool finale of them going back into their uh, the earth realm or whatever it is um, yeah so uh, yeah I thought that everything put together here in this finale was cool I really enjoyed that
0: yeah. It works. It all comes together in a really cool way.
1: But then, obviously, all the kids go back to summer vacation, man. Flowers, pretty music, sunshine, you know? (laughs) Although, I I, I do like that once again, they do it in the context of like the kids kind of have to learn that like another kid could die and be lost in like that spiritual realm. Yeah, he has to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they, they come out in both cases, like they come out the other side and they go, wow, like someone, this girl that I knew is dead and now she's on the other side and they have to kind of learn to come to terms with that. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a nice little connective t- tissue between the two movies about uh, a yeah. <laughs> guy who little little school boys in love with dead girls. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. And I yeah, do uh I do like game. the one last thing he's kind of sad about, you know, having a connection that connection and losing it, but then he said he says like she said don't forget me only to me and kind of that warms his heart, you know. He's 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 sad about it, but he's he's going to kind of uh savor that connection that he had at, at least. Yeah. So, you know, he's grown up. Grown up a little bit. They've learned some things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
1: Very, Hell yeah. Very, very, very cool. If we're pivoting towards reductive rating round on, uh, this one as well. Haunted school. Uh, this one was, uh, also very, very solid, uh, Three for me. I, I I do see myself maybe coming back to this one, and I would like to yes. see like a like a restoration, and I would like to see more of them. Um, like again, I I do think that this is like very visually imaginative, you know, and like the previous one, ostensibly family friendly, um, mm-hmm. it, it, and this one more so even because it yeah. is doing it has some elements that you could compare to Goosebumps or Goonies or things like that. But it but it once again it does strike that right balance of being like silly and watchable enough that a kid could find enjoyment in this especially with the you know like there's a fucking you know a a red monkey ghost playing pranks Um, (laughs) but still genuinely being kind of gross and surreal and 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 frightening when it when it counts like when it is doing like the anatomical body with organs hanging out is chasing the kids around it's a freaky yeah. image when the zombie yep. hands are coming up and grabbing the kid and almost swallowing him like the uh, like the hands are forming a mouth or something like it's 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 creepy the production design is g- genuinely textured and Um, filthy like all the dust and cobwebs and the you know the 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 freaky nature of like feeling like you're in this cramped space that there's a threatening spirit in every single room and you don't know and it's unpredictable too and having Mm -hmm. a level of diversity of ghosts contributes to that unpredictability and there's uh, and, and from what i understand too i don't think we mentioned this but like part of this i guess is based on a um like a, like a volume of, like, ghost stories or something like that, that there was, like, some, like, school teacher or something who was, like, li- he was literally, like, crowdsourcing right. ghost stories from, like, students and teachers and stuff that they were kind of hearing about, and they ended up publishing volumes of them, and then that was what this was ended up being, I think, uh, adapted from. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just a cool concept. I think it works, yeah. I think. And, and, and now I understand why there could be, like, three sequels to that because it's like who you couldn't, you know, there's no shortage of these like creepy stories and you know, Mm -hmm. the, I mean, even now in the internet age with things like creepy pasta and stuff like that too, like there's, you know, spreading, uh, creepy stories like this is something that I think people find enjoyable. And I think that this is a pretty well done version of that for, um, kids. So yeah, Yeah. I had a, I had, I had a good time with it. My only issue I think was that it, it did get a little, um, you know, some of the pacing and some of the repetition, I don't think was you know uh, in 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 the perfect zone. Yeah, but you know, I uh, I I still got quite a quite a lot into this and would recommend it for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I would give it a, a strong three. I almost did for it. It's just um, I think that that beginning, the pacing is a little bit too stretched out. I understand why they're doing it. You know, they're introducing every character that you're going to see, and I do like. Uh, establishing kind of um, their friendships and their innocence, so that when you do get to all of the ghost stuff eventually, it has more of an impact because it, you you like the kids and you know you know that they're just kids at the end of the day. So them going through this kind of hell is, is can be uh, you know stressful. Um, so I, I think that they do uh, a really good job of eventually turning that innocence into, um, just amazing, like haunting ghost scenes. I think that that's, that's really good. And because they've established that it makes it a little bit more haunting when it happens. I just, I think they could have cut out a little bit of the introductory stuff, um, Mm -hmm. just to keep the pacing flow a little more. And, 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 um, and I just think it would have had that more exciting feeling, But I do. But man, when 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 it gets going
1: into those set pieces, though, it is like
2: it's crazy good. Every single one. Like there wasn't really one um, uh, classroom, I guess, when they walk in because that's pretty much what it is. They go into like an individual classroom, and there's a different haunting in each one. Essentially, Um, there isn't one that I didn't find memorable or effective. I thought once they get into that, it's all very, very good stuff, Uh, and and different. Like like we said, you go from creature feature crab spider monster janitor guy um, to like a Fulci hands swallowing a kid into a floor uh, to the a very more traditional image of like the the smiling girl ghost and and all of that like there's just so much to take in and they do every single thing really well even if it feels like it could be disconnected, the way that they use the story, it, it doesn't. They, they really are just setting it up like well, like the title says. It's a haunted school, generally speaking. <laughs> so
1: yeah. And um, here's a family friendly adventure movie about a haunted school. And and yeah. and if you're and, and if if that's the pitch, I think this is like, you know, this is, you know, the the the, the kind of uh, one that you know, is still going to end up freaking kids out, which is always yeah. enjoyable.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it feels like um, still conventional enough in a sense of a kid's movie that a kid could really latch onto it. But then once they get to those moments, I think they would be genuinely scared. And I do like the the ending. The, the, there's one little thing that we didn't mention where they go back to the school at the end and they leave flowers at the school and they all introduce themselves to... Um, I think it was Kyrie or Cairo, uh, the girl that they that died and mm. they had to leave behind. Um, and there's just something about that that it's like they've accepted the death, uh, and they're you know they they realize what it was and the significance of it, and then they turn around and go back to being you know boys at, in summer vacation. So I think that that mix of things is really good, and I love the finale in that sense. So yeah, awesome. I'm gonna give it a strong three. Are you, oh, yeah. Trevor.
0: Uh, probably a 3.5 if I'm in the right mood. I could boost it all the way to the 4 because um, an unrelenting string of various creatures and ghoulies and goblins is pretty much all I could ever ask for in a film. But you're right, yeah, it does take some time to get going into that. Um, and while I do mm-hmm. agree that I think that uh, the the good stuff hits all the harder because of the early stuff, it is a bit of a slog to get to that stuff initially. Um but otherwise, yeah. yeah, once you're once you're in it, you're golden. You know, that first after that first 20 minutes, it's just unrelenting. And there's everything you could possibly ask for in terms of a film called Haunted School.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'd say like teetering on the edge between a four and a three point five for this one.
2: Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I think that uh, is going to wrap it up for uh, Haunted School and for this week's episode. Once again, that was Hiruko, the Goblin from 1991, and Haunted School from 1995. Thanks so much, Trevor, for uh, showing us these films and 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 for yeah. joining us and and uh, talking uh, about them with us. We always uh, we always enjoy the films that you that uh, that you bring on to show us. A lot of the time, it's stuff that mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I've heard of it, and sometimes I'm like, yeah. I'm going to get around to that. But you know, Trevor is always. Uh, you know pushing pushing us in the horror realm and we're always happy for that um <laughs> yeah thank you thank now, you so much for having me on no problem Trevor this is usually the part of the show where if you've got anything uh to plug we have you do that and I feel like you got yeah. a, you got a big thing to plug this week
0: yeah this time I do I got a good one um so I wrote a, a a spooky kids versus monsters book uh for scholastic for middle grade readers it is I did all the art I did the cover it's got 26 black and white interior drawings kind of in the tradition of um, Stephen Gemell, uh for the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Ooh, um, cool. so
1: good. So yeah. good.
0: And uh, that comes out on October 3rd. Um, it is kind of like a, it's a hardcover. Uh, you can get it wherever you're going to get books. It's going to be, I'm told at like the scholastic book fairs, which is like a dream come true for me oh yeah uh, i can't believe,
1: sometimes i i actually have a little a, a, a little sister and i recently oh yeah. found out that those are still a thing and i was like yes. wow yes what a what a magical place
0: <laughs> uh, they were my one of my favorite things when i was you know growing up so it's it's really yeah. nice and it's an honor to have something dropping there and i hope it scares a bunch of kids in the best possible way um that's, that's right now think.
1: are and now are you also for anyone local you're doing a book signing too right
0: yes yes thank you yeah so if you're in toronto um on october 7th at i believe 1 p.m i will be signing copies of Scarewaves at uh little ghost books which is on god i need the address it's on dundas on
1: dundas west for anyone who knows uh toronto oh yeah
0: um, here we it go it's a uh, nine I, I just dundas wanted to west. bring it up
1: because i will be there man i'm gonna come get oh, i'm, hell gonna, yeah. come get, Great, I'm yeah. gonna come get my copy
0: Know? awesome i i'm sure i'll be doing a i also i also want a, i, I also love
1: that bookstore so i like to i'm gonna i'm gonna try and buy it yeah. through them rather than like buying it off amazon or something absolutely you
0: know, they're so. wonderful <laughs> they're such an intrinsic. they're already like intrinsic to the the horror culture in toronto they're they're doing such great things and promoting such great authors and um yeah i'm i'm, I'm really happy to have a signing there and that's that's the big thing right now that's oh, awesome. Yeah.
1: So Scare Waves, you can you can get it wherever you're getting books from. And if you're in Toronto, Little Ghost Books doing a little book signing on October yeah. 7th. So definitely look into it uh, for our listeners. We are going to be back in one week's time where we're going to be doing finally your patron voted episode. Oh, boy, uh, which uh, I'm sure most people are familiar at this point because we've been doing it for a couple of years now. But once every two months, we let you guys vote on the double feature and we do, do the most upvoted one that you guys you guys select so we're going to be talking about conservative fathers trying to save their the the young women in their life in the case of one uh, The Searchers uh, with uh, John Ford and, and, and John Wayne I'm sure you know one of the you know very canonized American westerns I'm sure most people are familiar mm-hmm. um, but we're going to be pairing it with Paul Schrader's Hardcore uh, with George C. Scott Let's who is uh, not trying to uh, save his daughter from some uh, Native Americans uh, but is trying to save his daughter from the uh, p- pornography industry of California that's right uh, these are these these are uh, uh, outmoded men dealing with the future of America in both <laughs> cases <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about that next week over on the Patreon feed, and then in two weeks' time, we are going to be entering the realm officially of Spooktober. Kind of. Trevor gave us a little bit of yeah. a uh, early early kickstart here, but we are going to be officially entering Spooktober, where we're going to be having a special guest on to talk about some big ones. We're going to be talking about Don't Look Now, uh, di- directed by Nicholas uh, uh, Rogue, I'm pretty sure, so and good. then we're going to be talking about The Vanishing. <laughs> which Ooh. is uh yeah one no of those bit. uh one of those uh kind of like ruin ruin your evening kind of films uh <laughs> yeah. in 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 my opinion a Not little bit more. Not a lot bit of hope of, in that uh, one. No, but I I do really really love that movie and I am very excited to uh to give that one um an, another watch cuz uh, in, in 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 terms of like a you know sort of It has a very odd perspective for that kind of like foreign serial killer kind of um, movie and sort of a kidnapping movie and uh, Mm -hmm. very, very slow and sad and uh, creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks time over on the main feed to kick off Spooktober. So let's get that. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. But that (laughs) being said, that wraps it up for everything that is this week. Thanks so much for listening and keep us easy.
0: Keep us easy, everybody. A.